You misunderstood William's invitation. It wasn't just to be white. It was an invitation to do whatever the fuck you want. That's the currency of magic. Unmitigated freedom. Drop it! Duncan and both come correct. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about. I didn't think we would ever be referencing the Goonies um, in, a, in reference to an episode of uh, Lovecraft Country, but there we go. Right. Like, if I had told you, uh, hey, episode four of Lovecraft Country is them kind of doing the Goonies only with a hermaphroditic goddess. Yeah, and Indiana Jones. It's, it's the last yeah. crusade meets the Goonies with a hermaphrodite. Right. And I think that is a combination that works so well that I'm surprised anyone took so long to do it. And not the best episode of the two. No, oh, no, no, no. Which, the one that's, which <laughs> the one is that, fucking crazy. The one that just dropped is like jaw-droppingly good. So. Yeah, yeah. That that fifth episode is, is really something. Like the fifth episode and that third episode are the two that I'm like, man, these are just unassailable. These yeah, are just incredible episodes. Yeah, I think the the thing that that is working for me is that even when they're doing kind of standalone stories, they are setting up all the stuff for the following episode. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. What, and you get the payoff. So it, I think that is really good. So it's not just like Monster of the Week episodes, which kind of felt like it was maybe ebbing towards. It's kind of like, well, no, we're, we're going to do like standalone adventure-based episodes, but at the same time, a ton of stuff's going to be happening in the background, and then you're going to get the payoff in the following episode. And then I'm like, yeah, just keep doing that. Just That is a, that is a yeah. winnable formula for me. Just keep doing that, and you have me on board. Um, the quality of that show is just... It's scarily good. <laughs> like, um, I've yet to see it put a foot wrong. Like, like an obvious foot wrong. It, like, there's some things that were like that, uh, a bit better budget, maybe less CGI, that would work a bit better. But out with that, no, it's it's pretty much flawless. So, yeah, and and takes risks. But we'll we'll get into all of that, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Listeners, welcome to you, Duncan and Bo. Uh, come correct. A- Never give me a count in or anything. You no. Just go right into it. And it as a result, I always come across like a buffoon, Bo. Like <laughs> how long do you want me to count before you're you don't sound stupid? Uh, that, that could be a long count. Actually. Right. Good point. Good point. Good so, point. And it goes <laughs> both ways. That. Like I, I ain't no smarter, Duncan. You could just rename this whole podcast to idiots that talk about movies, and <laughs> it would be you know accurate. I think that name's already been taken. <laughs> right. Right, hands of pick six movies. Um, oh, I will. You get away with that because that's your show. That's right. And if and, I see it, it sounds like I'm a jealous lover. Uh, <laughs> we ought to, at, at some point, we'll have some kind of glorious three way. Oh, dear. I, like, I, I didn't realize my, my penis could go from flaccid to erect in like point half a second, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. We'll call it like, you know, pick seven movies and have you. <laughs> um anyway duncan uh mm-hmm. you're duncan by the way for yes, listeners. i am hi and, <laughs> that means I, you're both doesn't it that is that's a- absolutely correct um hence the name of the show uh this season of course we're doing duncan and bo go to lovecraft country 
mm-hmm. which is uh, the the HBO series. If you're not familiar, and we have done episodes one, did episode one because it was such a there was so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. With that first episode, it, it sort of stands by itself. Then there's uh, episodes two and three, which we did in the last episode. Today will be episodes four and five. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the next episode, uh, God willing, will be six and seven. Now, before we talk about Lovecraft Country, Duncan. Yes. Um, <laughs> listeners uh, of the show, unlike yourself, would know that what we do <laughs> at the beginning of the show is that we we talk about a movie, good and bad, that we've been uh, watching recently. You keep saying the word show. Is this be- Hopefully this isn't being recorded. I thought this was just me and you yeah. chatting. It's just for goofs. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then after we talk about that, we'll talk about the Lovecraft Country stuff. But Duncan, tell me, because um, I've got, I feel like I've got two bangers. Oh. In, in both categories. So, oh, wow. <laughs> but give me, give me something bad uh, that you've been watching. I mean, it wasn't terrible, right? It wasn't, I'm going to stress that. It wasn't terrible, but I have just reviewed a brand new title uh, that's about to drop on digital on the 2nd of October. So, by the time this episode comes out, you'll have a couple of days to wait and then it'll be available. And it's called Death of Me. Uh, it's a new movie by Derlin Bowsman. He who did a ton of Saw movies and that movie Abattoir yeah, a couple of years he, ago. Uh, oh, crap. What was the one with uh, that was the musical? Repo the Genetic Opera. He was behind that, right? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. he's got his Which fingerprints I, on. I, I think that it's a good the movie. Most, yeah, it's the most interesting thing I think he's ever done. Yeah, Abattoir was... I, I liked the concept. I didn't necessarily think it all pulled together, but it was based on a comic he'd written. Um... And obviously he's now, because I remember interviewing him back for that release and um, kind of being a bit sassy with him, trying to get him to, to poke fun at them, their Saw movies, uh, by saying, you know, like, you know, if they ever came back and did another Saw movie, you know, would you be interested? He's like, nah, I think they went so far away from what I was interested in that series. Like, you never say never. And guess who's directed that Spiral movie coming out next year? Uh, <laughs> Dylan Bisman. Deal back in the saddle. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to hold on to this juicy tidbit of a kind of almost bad mouth in the franchise and drop it just before the series. Just just before he launches that movie. Denlin Bisman did like shock till your drop will pick it up. Bloody disgusting. Sure. Fucking make some news, Duncan. Yeah. Stir the fucking pot. It'd be great to make some news that doesn't involve Duncan being a sex pest. That'd be really good. Um, you know, I, I don't headline, follow but, Twitter. Has that been a problem? Um, well, yeah, well, all my life, boy. Um, so the, <laughs> Am um, I going to have to start making an apologies on your behalf? Like, I didn't know. Yeah, but you like yeah. You should. All I'm saying is, plan your apology tour now. Um, like that's right, tour, Bo, and that, that will require many countries for you to visit. Um, but yeah, so he's he's got a new movie, uh, Death of Me Out, stars um, what's his chops, Helmsworth from Westworld, the not quite bigger Helmsworth, but <laughs> not, not Thor, but yeah. Thor Light. Yeah, thought <laughs> like Luke Thor. is is Luke. The yeah, it's Luke. Okay. It's Luke Helmsworth. Yeah, Thor sugar free. Um, is he's in it and Maggie Q. Just, yeah, th- uh, Maggie Q's in it. So she's done like Divergence. Oh and right, like I know. That's why I have heard of this movie. Is I, I remember seeing the cover of this with her like screaming and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I mean, I had that. Uh, getting a fairly limited 
cinema run, I think it's playing like maybe one theater. Maybe that's what I think they mean by limited theatrical uh, experience. Hey, we got fucking limited theaters here, Duncan. It, yeah, it's amazing. It's playing in anything. It's amazing. Tenet is uh, Tenet is in limited theaters right now. Though. I know, I know. Um, but it's also coming to digital non demand and stuff like that. So all all those good things. Um. So the setup is a uh, Maggie Q, Luke Helmsworth wake up um, in their villa and an island off the coast of Thailand. Um, they've been having a heavy night of boozing and partying, but guess what? They need to get out of Dodge and off that island because there's a typhoon coming. Uh, but everyone's acting really strange and it's almost as if they're trying to keep them on the island and then they get back to their hotel room a bit confused and decide to, for some reason, rake through the camera that they had with him the day before because he's a travel photographer or travel blogger or something and they find a video and in this video uh, they appear to be taking uh, some local drink that you know this local barmaid gives them and then uh, Luke Helmsworth appears to Oh, for lack of a better word, abusively have sexual intercourse with Maggie Q before strangling her, killing her, and then burying her. But wait a second, Bo, she's still alive. She's like, uh-huh. Uh, so now we're in a race against time to try and work out what happened the night before, find out why Maggie Q's still walking around alive, and at the same time, why they can't get off the island. Could it have something to do with this typhoon approaching the island? Um... Is this like some dumbass water man where instead oh, of the wicker man, they're they're the sacrifice of that this is, island? Oh, to see you've already nailed it, haven't you, Bo? Because um, I was sitting watching it thinking to myself, is that this has a kind of, there's a, a whiff of the wicker man coming off this movie. And also at the same time, I kind of like, maybe she was a zombie, maybe she, but maybe this is a little bit of Serpent in the Rainbow. Like, and that's literally how I felt five minutes into it. And then the movie, and I was I was kind of going where I thought it was all right. And like I say, I don't hate the movie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but there is a specific bit in the middle of the movie where the characters who have not mentioned any horror knowledge or any any knowledge of any or any movie reference at all in the middle of it make reference to the Wicker Man. And I'm like, oh no, no, you don't do that because now now I know where this movie's exactly going. You've you've given the game away, writers, team of writers, three writers for this movie. Uh, you've given the game away. And yeah, it ultimately goes directly in the direction of the Wicker Man. Like, unashamedly and unapologetically heads that way. I won't spoil the ending because there is a little twist. Um, but yeah, and I was just confused because this really genuinely feels like Derlin Bowsman should have had his Saw movie out this year and it should have been out by now. And this movie, I would imagine, would have come out after. And I'm, regardless of what you think about Saw, that would have made all the money because it's got Chris Rock in it and Samuel L. Jackson's all the money. Um, and this movie's now coming out and it makes me wonder, what the fuck is going on with Derlin Bousman? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to have a large, one of the larger kind of horror releases of the year and a franchise that makes money, um, you know, prints its own money, yet you're still doing movies like this. And, I mean, it's competently put together. Um, it is a paint-by-numbers movie. It's not particularly long. And it, it made me realise that I don't actually rate Maggie Q as an actress. She's very po-faced. Like, like nothing to, like, all these horrific... Literally yeah. just found out that she'd been murdered the night before. And she's like, 
oh my god, what has happened? She like she would be who I would cast if they were doing a Nightmare on Elm Street remake um, as the mother of what's her face, Nancy? Is it? Yeah, um, right. It's like, oh, let me get a drink, and then we'll talk about the horrors that have been suffered on our family. Literally, how that's her acting style through this entire movie. However. A shining spotlight, um, or a a little shining star in this movie, is a kind of smaller performance, but she stole the movie from me, of Alec Essel, who continues to be like an incredible actress. She's really, really, really good in it, and she is the reason you watch that movie full stop. So, yeah, it it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. I've seen a whole hell of a lot worse this year. But it was a bit of a head-scratcher. I am not sure what market it's supposed to play to. I'm not sure. Because it's not scary enough to be an out-and-out horror movie. It's not really thrilling enough to be an out-and-out thriller. Uh, It occupies some weird space in between where I kind of think they're just hoping people stumble onto it and pay for it. So <laughs> it's yeah. short, says Duncan McLeish. Uh, it is, that is it's, it's a, part of the review a, I gave away with. Yeah, it's a painless watch, but if you are a fan of horror movies in general, you will approximately 10, 15 minutes into this movie know exactly where it's going. And guess what? It goes there. <laughs> it doesn't take any detours or anything, it just goes there. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't dislike it, but I, I did get to the end, and I was like, "There's there's a whole lot of talent here to release something mediocre." Um, so there we are. That's my yeah, thoughts. That's yeah. It's a bummer. Um, what about yourself? What was the bad? All right, let me give a little bit of lip service to a super <laughs> shitty movie. <laughs> Just don't be fooled and and be a dummy like me and end up watching uh, a this movie called broken contact uh, showed up on Amazon. I'm only going to talk oh, about right. this for like five sentences. So don't, don't get comfy. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one of them like, Hey, we've got a camera and let's find a ghost in the house with this Ouija board kind of thing. Oh, a classic bow, a bow set up there. You're it, the market. You're the target market. Shitty movie. Ouija board. Bo Ransdell will be all over this. I'll tell you later about my plans for the Ouija Manor trilogy I'm currently writing. Ouija Manor doesn't exist yet, um, but this is one of one of the that kind of movie, and some of them are okay, and you know are kind of good background entertainment for me to look. Oh, look, the cabinets are open. You know, yeah, whatever. <laughs> the cabinets are terrifying. Right. <laughs> This one is fucking garbage. Don't like even if you're even if you're a dumbass like me that watches more of these movies than you should. Broken mm-hmm. Contact, a poltergeist story from the year of our Lord 2020, Ooh, is yeah. is bottom of the barrel rubbish. Um, don't watch it. Also, uh, in the bad category. Um, now that I got my my hate out of the way, let me just say one that I was real disappointed with. I thought that Babysitter sequel was kind of a bummer. I've yet to watch it. It's in my 31 of... Here's my thoughts on this before you even tell me it, but that to me is a one-and-done movie. Absolutely, yes. That movie does not scream to me, let's make a sequel. You know, it's it's fun. It's a weird anomaly. It's a McG movie that actually works, Uh, which there ain't many of them, but... um, so, you know what I mean? That to me, like, see, when they said they were doing a sequel, I was like, oh, I'll check it out, I guess. But I I really haven't held, held much in the way of kind of goodwill and favours towards it being 
like even more than kind of marginally entertaining and from what i've read online it appears to be marginally entertaining here's what i will say in in the positive category for this Mm -hmm. the actress who played the young girl who gets recruited in Doctor Sleep, and I can't think of her name, but you know what I'm talking yep. about. Yes, I do. Yep, she's okay. the one that can read their uh, read their thoughts or make them do things. Isn't she, it? she can make them go to sleep. She does the yes. go to sleep and then fucks them up. Um, I will I will find her name as. Well. <laughs> but she. Uh, anyway, she is the new kind of villain of the film. Mm. Oh, so the original one doesn't come back. Well, mm-hmm. all right, they see no more. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, Emily Allen Lind, I mm. believe is her name. Uh, anyway, she's kind of okay um, in in the film. But what I don't like about it is it gets it leans real heavy into the supernatural, mm. which the first film kind of flirts with i mean it's all a devil cult and shit like that but it's it 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 always felt like a slasher to me yeah and this movie is that but it's also like well how do we get all the characters from the first movie back oh they made deals with the devil so they're back now Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of uninteresting like those characters weren't great to begin with yeah you know, they they were kind of funny stereotypes and that was it. But to bring them back for your second movie and for them to be the exact same fucking characters uh, and, and for them to also be like, oh, well, they're going to also kind of do the same shit they did in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a total carbon copy of the original, but it's a little too, uh, like I said, a little too heavy onto the in in the supernatural realm for me. Uh, it, it felt like too abrupt a a turn for the series almost. Also, I just don't think it does anything all that interesting. And the way that they kind of shoehorn like all the hey, remember this from the original shit into this one feels mm-hmm. heavy handed and unsatisfying. Mm. So, disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I you know, I know you said it's going to be one of your 31 of Halloween, so I wanted to make sure that you had one day where you were just like, well, this will be me. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few. You know what? I'm like, I, I, I deliberately try and cover a broad base in my 31, um, so I don't just specifically pick movies that people are telling me that I will absolutely adore because there are plenty of them in there. Um, but I, always, I, I try and pick ones that, that you know, round out the list. You, you need you need to you need context, and you also need a bit of variety, especially if you're doing, uh, you know, your 31 of October, like where you're focusing doubling down on just new titles. So we'll see how it go. Yeah, I, I I don't do the new titles thing. I'm like, all right, there's going to be a handful of new shit in here, but there's going to be a whole lot of shit I just love. I, the haunting of Hell House Bow. So I will be finished that just before season two drops so all right uh, I, I told you we get into it eventually two years later but i'm, I'm there I, um, yeah i mean i'm glad you're eventually gonna watch it uh i'm looking forward to bly manor i have not watched any of the trailers or anything i'm the same yeah, i've not watched any trailers yet i there's no reason for me to see anything about this i know i'm going to watch it all <laughs> uh in fact two of my days of halloween are like i'm watching half of it one day and and the uh, half, half the other like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean the, the reason I haven't watched because I I must I have since 
found out. I don't think it is a continuation of the original. So it's like a new story, I think. Yeah, well, it's uh, where the first one was an adaptation of Shirley Jackson's Haunting of Hill House. The second season is an adaptation of uh, The Turn of the Screw. Excellent. Right, that's cool. That's cool. Because um, I didn't want to watch the trailer just in case it gave away anything to do with the original show. So I'm two episodes in. I am completely hooked. Loving it. Um, so, But my other TV show that I watched, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to catch up with like about a million shows that have like basically been dropping that people have been talking about or loving or this one surprisingly not getting as much love as I thought it would on paper um, Tales from the Loop uh, I binged that one out pretty fucking fast and it's incredible So I don't know why people are not talking about it I, 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 it kind of caught me a bit off guard that like because I, I it was one of these ones where I remember seeing the concept art because um, it's that uh, very famous uh, is it Swedish I think he's Swedish artist uh, something like that yeah one of them uh, Nordic countries yeah yeah so I, I remember seeing some of the, the the concept art for it and I remember hearing it was being adapted by Amazon um, and I was like oh cool I'll, I'll need to check that out when it lands um, and then I remember hearing that it had landed like about four months ago or something and I've literally seen no one talk about it so it was kind of near the top of my list of things to check out and I watched it and I thought it was great like front to back great um, it's it's like how to describe it's, it's, it's like Stranger Things without all the things that make you angry bo <laughs> huh, all right it's like no kind of reverence for the time period that it's set um yeah it's still got the it's got the 80s aesthetic minus all the bright colors and neon so it's like set in the 80s but it's all it's a muted palette it's you know you're looking around going right like the fashion looks correct without it being like a cindy lopper music video um the the score is very not what you would expect and very not Stranger Things, um, but it just so happens to exist in a kind of alternate kind of science fiction landscape where robots exist and there's a weird little town and in this weird little town there happens to be a large kind of scientific facility um, called the Loop, uh, and its effects to apparently contort, twist, uh, change time. But there's all manner of objects around that also have an impact on their environment. Like, for example, one of the objects, if you go with a friend and you go into the object, you will actually kind of freaky Friday swap places with them. Huh. Um, and it, it it just it does things in a really understated manner that I was completely compelled with. I think I think it is brilliant. So if you've been slipping on that one because you thought, I don't need another show that's all about 80s subcultures and like 80s reverence, and this movie looks like it might be one of those, I can tell you it's not. Uh, it looks like all the money. It looks like uh, like 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 1% of Vegas's annual fucking salary was spent on making this as well it looks incredible um so yeah i watched all eight episodes and it is duncan approved it's one of the better things i've seen this year are, are they half hour episodes hour episodes? oh no you get a lot yeah look, that's the only downside i suppose as all the episodes are about an hour long so okay. it's, that is a strap yourself and yeah you can't binge watch it 
at all because it, like it's, it moves at such a deliberate pace. It, it, it reminds me of it's like when I went to see that Ad Astra movie at the cinema, mm-hmm. and um, I fucking loved it. I adored that movie, and I come out. But I went to see it with two friends who both both come out saying it just felt really, really, really long. And I was like, but that's what old science fiction movies used to be. Like old science fiction movies were like, strap yourselves in. <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna talk about the meaning of life over the next two hours on a spaceship. Um, it's it's kind of like it's, it really enjoys kind of it really enjoys its landscape and doesn't push its story necessarily in leaps and bounds rather uh, it gracefully scrolls across the screen um but yeah each episode is like a it's not it's not like an anthology but there's not there is a through story but it's very much in the background for a couple of episodes and then it comes back and then it, it's very 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 good um so yeah i enjoyed it quite a bit great okay i i'm i'm kind of in that sounds cool uh, I, I, I didn't realize it was that rooted in kind of eighties aesthetics at all as, but it's not what you, th- it's, I, I'd always, I'm now, that's the, maybe the negative side of stranger things is I'm always reluctant now to say, you know, eighties aesthetics because people think stranger things now. And I'm sure there were Tim's that kind of had that vibe. Um, but it's more the, it's the kind of home decor, the way they're dressed, um, rather than the, you know, like synth wave, <laughs> right? Know, sure, like, yeah, and but you know, like like pushes towards specific acts of the culture, like like look at Dungeon. Remember when you played Dungeons and Dragons? Remember when this movie was at the cinema? It's, it's not like that at all. It's just used as a kind of background setting, which I think works really well against this idea of technology which even then the the like if you've seen this dude's paintings the robots are kind of in the background mm-hmm. and that's kind of how the show plays it as well to the point where i was like huh <laughs> right i thought we we're gonna get a lot more it, it's uh, it, it's very unique you won't have you will i guarantee you will not have seen a show at all that is like tales from the lip so i'm interested when you have seen it or even if you checked a couple of episodes what you made of it because all I could think about while I was watching it is I think Bo would, would like this I think you'd like it quite a bit yeah I'll, I'll definitely give it a look I am uh, I'm almost done with uh, I, I did West Wing oh uh, I went th- through all of West Wing again during the the quarantine times mm-hmm. and as if they're done um, and You'll never be done Bo <laughs> apparently fucking not um, <laughs> yeah, the last six months were just the warm-up act. <laughs> right, right. The headliner's about to start in about the next month, so yeah. get ready. Ugh, anyway, but yeah, so um, I uh, I didn't, I, I haven't engaged with uh, a new show too much since finishing West Wing, other than uh, I, I started Justified again. You know, oh, they, that's on the list as well. I've never watched Justified. It is on my list. Oh, it's so fucking good. Like I've seen it before, <laughs> but it's a it's a real comfort food kind of show for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so once I wrap that up, because that happens to be a fairly short run, three uh, seasons or something, isn't it? Eh, it's like six seasons, but they're ten episode seasons or something. Ah, right, so right, it, right. Cool, it cool. I mean, it's not nothing. There, it's a substantial amount of television, but it's not. 
you know, it ain't seven seasons of 20 plus episodes of the West Wing or anything. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, I, and and I've been kind of looking for uh, a good television program uh, to, mm-hmm. to watch. So that sounds cool. Uh, let me give you a movie that is really good, Ooh. but was also terrifying and not in the fun kind of way. All right. Um, I caught the social dilemma on Netflix. Yes, right. Baz, Baz, like my uh, sometimes co-host from podcast under the stairs, sent me a message at the start of the week saying, if I don't speak to you guys on Messenger for a while, it's because I've destroyed my phone and all the tech in my house. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you just having that, like, I just assumed he was having a bad day. And he said that he'd watched this the night before and he did not sleep well all night because of it. Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, <laughs> because it, it is, it is former designers in the the tech field that worked uh like it's the the former uh, like ceo or creator of pinterest mm-hmm. guys who worked at at twitter and google and shit like that and basically all saying like hey we created this algorithm uh built to make money for our advertisers Mm-hmm. But what it has done is it has changed society in a fundamental way that no one could have ever predicted and and completely for the worse. Mm-hmm. And, and in particular, they tie the number of suicides in young women uh, of middle school age and higher multiplied a hundred and something percent. Mm-hmm. At the very moment in time when social media apps hit mobile phones. Yeah. And, but I mean, it just goes deep into here's what it does to our brains. Here's what, here's the psychology that these uh, platforms prey upon. Here's the effect that it, it the measurable statistical effect it is happening uh, among its users. Here's the real world damage that it does. I mean, it, it was one of those things like I'm not a social media guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, and seeing that, it was just like, oh, I don't ever want to engage in any of this again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, it's terrifying. It's coming in, it, it's coming out of people who designed it and are now like it would, it's the equivalent of Dr. Frankenstein doing documentaries about like, look, y'all, there's this monster running uh, around the countryside. Yes, I made it, but we're past <laughs> that now. This fucker will kill you. <laughs> so if you see it, destroy it. Um, and it's, it's that kind of thing where, you know, they're like, th- here and and it's one of the things that I, I I think about in relation to the movie The Mist, which we just discussed yesterday. But mm-hmm. um, one of the interesting points that they make in the movie is that social media, like we always worried about the singularity and technology and artificial intelligence surpassing the capacity of humanity in terms of thinking and creativity and reason and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "That's." That is a concern, yes. But the real danger is when technology surpasses our capacity for weakness and when it understands the psychological foibles that will make us easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. And that is what those algorithms are designed to do. And and they were like, that's the danger. Like, it's not technology getting on top of us in terms of intelligence. It's technology getting to a point where we can't we can't resist 
its lure because it preys on fundamental primitive weaknesses we have. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Duncan! It's it's terrifying, but it's it's excellent. It's an excellent documentary, and one of the smart things that they do is that they kind of frame it with uh, a, a sort of docudrama family. That's mm-hmm. like as these people are speaking, you're seeing these actors portraying a family who are all interacting with this technology in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it, it, again, really fucking good, really scary. I recommend everyone uh, ought to see it, and and as soon as you do, uh, stop stop using Twitter, especially. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that seems to be a real problem. Facebook is real bad too, but Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter, like you get rid of those two, and you're you're not okay, but you're doing better. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Great, great documentary, and we'll all get to you know scary shit. I was going to say, I was going to say that, and the, the the distinct irony of that is Netflix did recommend it off my previous watching. <laughs> well, yeah, right. That's the thing is, is <laughs> you're like, email tell me to check it out. So. Right, right. But the, that's the the fucked up thing in all this. And I'll tell you, here's the other thing that will will scare the shit out of you is every single one of them. One of the one of the final questions that they kind of ask of all these guys is. So at what age would you let your children start using this stuff? And they're like, oh, never. Like, like we keep our kids away from this. They are not allowed to use screens at all in our household. Mm -hmm. And and that's the kind of shit that because, you know, one of one of the big uh, platforms of the documentary is like we're conducting an experiment on all our children who are growing up with this technology and these like very dopamine based responses Mm-hmm. That are the equivalent of we're basically doing the equivalent of turning all our children into in, inveterate gamblers yeah. at a very young age. And it's a big social experiment to see what that does to a society. <laughs> right. Right, Duncan. Now you're starting to get the fear that I, I carry around with me. Um, I did wonder why you were wearing a tinfoil hat when we started recording, but now it's all making sense. And let me tell you what Q said about it. Um, <laughs> that motherfucker. Well, that guy in New Jersey, I. Uh, is that where he is? I, I, I listened. Well, that, one that, of them. Yeah, one of them. One of them's in New Jersey. I think the other one is. Oh, there was another one called recently. I think. Yeah, it was like in Thailand or something. Yeah, I, I, yeah. One of one of the A Chan guys, the guy who took yes. over A Chan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. <laughs> Right, but it doesn't matter. Like, at this point, you can tell these people who are deep into believing the QAnon stuff, you can tell them, like, oh, no, we found the guys who admitted that, that it was them. Yeah, and they still wouldn't it, believe it. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're in the cult. It's, you know, you can't tell them fearless leader isn't real at this point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great time to be alive, boy. It's a great time to be alive. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, it is it is fascinating to be alive during these times. It's one of those things where I'm like, I'm kind of glad I'm the age I am because this might be this could be pessimistic, but this might be the last generation for a while where everything was kind of OK for the most part. Mm. You know, like we might be getting into that that world of that dystopia of the the meeting of social media uh, a global trend towards totalitarianism, climate change, like all of that stuff swirling and an inability for a society to f- fix its own problems because mm-hmm. of the fracture in it. Uh, things like that, where as as a citizen of the world and this country in particular, I'm like, 
eh, we had a good run. <laughs> you know, at one time, the suns didn't set on the uh, the British Empire either, and that shit wound up yeah, uh, or I mean, wound down. And, and It does. It always winds down. Yeah. It's always there. There's always bad things. So like, I, I, think, I think it's only when you're in the middle of it that you think it's the worst thing that's happened. But if you if you contextualize it by taking a like a big step back, I mean we're we're only what three generations from when the world was going to end because everyone was at war with each other. So um you know like so I I, I like I say I I my concern with things like the the kind of tech boom and all the rest, um the way it's going specifically in social media and algorithms and whatnot is I think it removes um, the ability to think quickly for yourself. Lateral thinking, I think, is a is a skill set that is being lost in favor of picking up your phone um, to find out something like I, like the specifically the job that I work in is kind of part. Well, there's a big part of that which is essentially problem solving. And the, you know you're given a scenario, or a customer gives you a scenario, and you have to basically think uh, of the best efficient way to fix said problem. Um, and I think even even seeing some of the kids that have come in to do like work experience with us in the past um, couple of years, that is a skill set that doesn't appear to be readily available anymore. Um, it's like, well, let's see what Google says. And I'm like, huh, huh. <laughs> there may be a day where there is no Google um, you know, or you don't have the Internet or like, the, but I mean, it's good. I mean, and the look at you as if what you've said sounds like the most absurd thing that's ever, <laughs> ever been uttered. No, no Internet. Right, Grandpa, and go and yeah. sit down. Uh, but it is that it's the the ability to kind of think for yourself and have lateral thinking, uh, which doesn't require you know the ability to have an idea, which doesn't need to be propped up by an echo chamber of people agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, I think that is that's a serious concern, is because it removes the the ability to be spontaneous um, in a constructive way. And, and to simply be alone, Duncan, to yeah. be to be oh, able yeah. to sit down with your thoughts for a second mm-hmm. and not feel like the silence is deafening because yeah. every moment is filled with, you know, scrolling through your phone or checking email or whatever it is. You know, I, like I'm that way to a fault where I'll like I'll put down my phone and forget where the fuck it is for a day and a half if you let yeah. me. Um, which is probably too far the other way, but I'll also, I, you know, when people talk about the, the number of, you know, the, the, the increase in stress and panic and worry and that kind of thing as a result of interacting with social media, whether it's oh, yeah. news stories or just people trying to get the better of you or whatever, uh, you know, I just don't engage with any of that stuff. And, and yeah, uh, trust me, my life is much more serene for it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would just stress to anyone listening: presidents have always said really fucking stupid things or floated really stupid ideas. It's just not always been reported. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Trump is a particularly bad example oh, of a he's, president. He's, he's, a, he's a very loud example of it, but trust me, there's been plenty of other presidents out there, prime ministers, leaders of the world, who have floated ideas, you know, in, in behind the office walls, which you know their advisors have been looking at him, going, "This guy's a fucking." moron they don't there is no knee-jerk reaction to instantly release it to the press though and cause panic that can affect global markets so um and that's the world we're living in i sometimes think we don't need to know (laughs) right you you know like how i agree with you like how much better would it be if you as an individual didn't know any of that shit was happening yeah except for what you read in the newspaper on the daily 
Exactly. You know, like that is a stream of information that our monkey brains can handle. Yeah, and, and did very well for years. Yeah, <laughs> so. right. And you can still like we still got the Civil Rights Act done without the fucking Internet. You yeah. know, <laughs> like change and and assembly and finding people uh, who were like minded and wanted to work for a cause still happened before social media and shit like mm-hmm. that. That won't go away. Yeah. I, I like I look. I am of the mind at this point. I'm like, you should not ever be able to be anonymous on the internet. Yes. Uh, you should always have to put your name beside what you say mm-hmm. on the internet. Also, I, I used to be like, it needs to be a free exchange of ideas. Now I'm like, no, we need fucking regulation. You, this, <laughs> you can't have, you can't have a global internet where anyone can come into the, the crowded movie theater and yell fire. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, like I said, I used to believe that the free exchange of ideas is, is, was utopia. And what it turned into was fucking just like racism and sh- the wh- most horrible shit <laughs> that, <laughs> That humanity was capable of. You don't need to know everyone's position on everything. All people have to do is be civil and nice to each other. That is literally it. I don't have to agree with my next door neighbor on what, you know, everything that he agrees, you know, his lifestyle choice or whatever. I don't have to agree with any of that, but I should be... I should treat him the way I would like to be treated myself. Um, And see if people just took... That just is a baseline idea. Just across the board, the world would be a much better place just now. No, there's never anything. There's too many of us on the planet to agree, right? And that's fine, right? <laughs> that's totally fine. And if you have a backward opinion on something, specifically to do with race, um, then guess what, right? That's your backward opinion on it. But when that when that backwards opinion on race tailors how you actually deal with people in the real world, then I've got a problem. Yeah. Yeah, then then we have a problem. And that was what you call a perfect segue into Lovecraft Country. Yes. Uh, well done, Duncan. <laughs> we are, of course, talking, uh, and, and, you know, it's always nice when our listeners learn something, and clearly they did. Oh, yeah, well, it's been a while since we had a, one of those uh, Ask Duncan and Bo a question, so we just created our own. So right. <laughs> it, it, the question was, don't things kind of suck right now? <laughs> and the answer was, they do, but... Yeah. Well, well, sit down, little Timmy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, you know, uh, speaking of of Alex Esso from earlier, yeah, it's real I, good. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, I I don't have it on the list for my thirty one of Halloween, but I am probably going to sneak Doctor Sleep in there somewhere. Well, it's on it's, it's on my list, not the official thirty one list, but as a watch. So, like at the weekends during my thirty one of October, I'll double up movies. Sure. So that's how I like because people are always like you know I like to watch my comfort movies and all the rest and I kind of do as well but it's only at the weekends and I'll double them up so I'll do the the movie which is my you know movie list one um, and then later on I'll do like a, a movie I've seen before and that director's cut of Doctor Sleep is is on the list so and it'll happen in quick order as well it's probably going to be by the end of the first week of October and I'm very much looking forward to it one of the things I mentioned in my review is she damn near steals that movie as her, her small cameo as Wendy it's like ridiculous how good she is yeah Danny <laughs> like, Danny so fucking good like, so, like almost that point where you know it's not the right actress you know what I mean you know right. it's not but it's one of those ones where 
you don't even have to close your eyes that much and screw up your nose for you to kind of think, no, this this probably could be. I think that's really, I think she's brilliant in it though. But I think, I think we've been, me and you have been singing her praises for quite some time now. So yeah. I'm just glad that she's getting she's getting the work because she deserves the work and she deserves bigger, more challenging roles for sure. Like that, that Starry Eyes performance is flat out incredible. Um, and she's coming, you know, I think that's why she's getting all the stuff because she is kind of, she plays like doe-eyed right through to corrupted, right through to malevolent, vicious, tearful. And that, I think we've referenced it before, the scene of her in the toilet just beating the shit out of herself because she made a mistake in the casting. Um, it's one of those ones where you are terrified of her, but your heart breaks for her. And I don't know many actresses that can pull that off on screen, so... Yeah, yeah, it is in a weird way. It is the superior version of the once upon a time in Hollywood DiCaprio scene when he's in the trailer. <laughs> Fucking eight whiskey <laughs> sours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of Lovecraft Country, I need to I need to revisit that movie. It's so uh, bad. I tried to talk the wife into watching it, and she's just not having it. And I'm like, you will like it. And she's like, the trailer. And I'm like, it's not the trailer. Trust me, once you get into the world, you because I finally talked to her watching Knives Out, um, and it finished, and she's like, oh, that movie was brilliant. I was like, I know. That's what we've fucking seen for a year. Um, and I'm like, now we'll watch Once Upon a Time. And she's like, ah. Like, trust me, once you get into it, you will love it. You will mm. love it. So good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just tell her, like, Brad Pitt gets shirtless and, and shows off a better body at the age of 60 or whatever the fuck he is now <laughs> than I have ever had in my entire goddamn life. Yeah, what, what, whatever depressing age that he is above mine and living healthier and looking healthier and fuck him. Right, he looks like he could pick up the back end of a truck and swing it at you, you know? Yeah, like, Bruce Lee kicked him and he fucking threw him against the truck. And I was like, look at him, of course he did. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about Lovecraft Country, clearly. <laughs> so episode four is entitled A History of Violence. Yes. Uh, which is a fantastic movie also. Mm-hmm. And uh, we open not on uh, the, uh, the the diner in which a Vigo Mortensen is preparing delicious <laughs> meals. But Wait, it's not a, a, a one I did, Harris. <laughs> right. <laughs> But instead, we open on Montrose, Mm -hmm. uh, who is having what can best be described as a drunken breakdown. Yeah, we've all been there. Mine was last night. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, like kind of half crying, with saliva dripping down my chest, standing in my pants over a bin that I really want to burn a book in. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) we have all been there, Bo. Yeah, that is me about every uh, 9.15 or so in the PM. <laughs> Your neighbors must love you. <laughs> well, you know, they keep their as, distance. It's as, as Bull Bin burning again. Um, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it smells like Nashville. <laughs> yeah, so but what happens is Montrose ends up burning the, the book that he got from from George, like here's a book, goddammit. It was super handy. And Montrose takes it and is like, fuck that, I'm gonna burn it. Mm-hmm. And does. Uh burns the the Sons of Adam book. And uh as he does so he says, Smells like Tulsa. Yeah. <laughs> um and we we cut from that. 
Sorry, my brain's just sorry to say like if Nirvana had really smells like Teen Spirit, it smells like Tulsa. Right. I can pull a different vibe. Which of course is a reference to the uh Tulsa race massacre. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a throwaway line. There's apparently there is a piece of the novel or the the book that um, references that more directly. So it's probably again laying some groundwork of like, oh, Montrose was in Tulsa and something gnarly went down. Not only obviously the Tulsa race massacre, uh, yeah. which was horrifying in its own regard, but something else that he had to do with there. So, um, so we leave that scene. To uh, cut to Extina, who is driving into the into town to the tune of "Bitch, better have my money." It's amazing. It's like I like I, everything right now that this show's doing, specifically about playing modern songs. I am just like I, I'm overjoyed because it's one of those ones where you're like, "Is that Rihanna?" Yeah, it, <laughs> I said that is Rihanna, and it's real on the nose. Like she's showing up to talk to Letty about money, but it's still kind of perfect, you know? I, I mean, this show, once again, we'll get to later on, but what, like, Lovecraft Country ain't ain't afraid to use some Marlon Manson up there, and Marlon Manson has never sounded better against the bad of Lovecraft Country. Oh my god, dude. We're, yes, we will <laughs> on certainly. Fucking, but the whole soundtrack, the whole score, everything is on fucking point, Bo. You know, all right, here's a thing that'll tell you. We'll we'll get to the exact example later, but here's a thing that'll I'll tell you why Duncan and Bo Come Correct is so in love with Lovecraft Country. Because it takes the advice of this podcast, which is <laughs> you should be fucking. And every now and again, Lovecraft Country remembers that. It does, and and then when they do it, they do it right, Bo. Yeah. They how they do I like I like to think they do it how we would shoot it. Yeah, where they're just like you know, you, why are we cutting away? We need to see more. Like, I know we can't show penetration, but let's get as close to that as we can. Yeah, but let's position the camera almost there, but not quite. And trust me, it will be worth every second of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, again, we'll get to that. So she shows up, uh, Extina does at Letty's. And is about to just kind of stroll in, but it turns out that the hoodoo lady uh, from the previous episode, who was going to, like, exercise all the ghosts and shit, mm-hmm. um, has put up this barrier, has that bloody X on the the door frame, and Xena can't get in. No, nope, four shields are up. Yep. Letty, Ray shields. <laughs> it's like, ah, yeah, a strange, cursed white woman. Shields up. <laughs> Engage, number one. Go to yellow alert. <laughs> she does she she bounces right off it and you can see she's like you can see says that's one of the reasons i love extina as well is the kind of her face she's like oh right unexpected but you know it's not going to deter me i'm still here to do a mission so get ready <laughs> i you know it, there's a real fair play quality to this exchange of like hmm it's a barrier well done. Anyway, I need this fucking orrery, which is the yeah. thing the thing that we saw of Hippolyta. Yeah, Hippolyta was was checking out at the party. Hmm. And this is also like Letty is like, You you were the one who gave me the money, and she's like, uh yeah. And it's <laughs> so hot. <laughs> and then she's like, By the way, you need to get your man in check. He showed up at <laughs> This realty office pulled a gun on me and tried to shoot me. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. And then... (laughs) Because I'll I'll 
but she, she does she does kind of lean into it. and once again there is a reveal later on in the next episode that when taken in the context of this conversation it wasn't the biggest surprise to me but I was like ah right I've got you now I've got you got you got you right. um, where she specifically talks about listen this you know don't think that this always has to revolve around a man y- you yourself like w- without you know he's got a bit of special blood in him but he ain't special you know what I mean <laughs> like he's not magical or anything like that these little women need to look out for themselves sisters before misters I believe is the, the term bo. I think that's yeah. in, the, the, in the encyclopedia um, and that's basically where she's doubling down but from our perspective, we're like, well, is she just saying that because she's wanting to create a rift? Or does she really mean that? What's going on here? I, you know, you're right. I think knowing what we know now, I think she really is, you know, somewhat of a feminist character on this show. She really is, actually. Where she, she, like, It might not always seem that way. And sometimes she might do things that are counterproductive to the cause. But, but at her core, she very much is. And by the way, she is like a hundred times smarter than the accent that Bo's given her. <laughs> yes, she is a very crafty character, and but that's the interesting thing I find about her is because she's sympathetic in the, in the sense that like she is clearly being shut out of this world that she believes she is owed to some degree. And so she's just taking matters into her own hands where she's like, well, if the men won't let me in, I'll just take over. And, and so she's after, (laughs) by the way, the fact that a line in this show is, uh, I assume Hiram's ghost kept the orrery locked away is a thing that happens here. Yes, it's a, it's a line in this, and never since Buffy the Vampire Slayer have I been so excited for just random sentences, which feel like the... It does feel like it's come right from a book. And I'm like, yes, yes, give me all of this. Give me all of it now. Right, it's... It is embracing the craziness of its plot, but it does so with like so straight faced and so seriously that I'm just like, yes, give me more. Um, so Letty then uh, like just slams the door in Xena's face uh, after she says uh, Xena has a great line before she gets the door in the face. She goes, you need to check out Tick's behavior because he's going to get you killed again. Yeah, and oh. you're right. Letty's just like fuck you. Closes the door. It's, oh man, I like as we will see later. Like Extina talking to any of the other women on this show is always fucking great. Yes, yes. Um, we cut to Hippolyta. Speaking of who is at the office, uh, you know, the the travel guide office, talking about this orrery that she swiped. <laughs> that she just stole from Letty. How did she get out the house? Like, that's not something you can fit in your handbag, Bo. It's one of those things where I think, like, just the number of people and the fact that Letty's, you know, knocking windows out of cars and shit like that, that Hippolyta was just like, this thing's coming with me. And (laughs) just, you know, act like you belong there. You know, she tucked it under her arm, walked right the fuck out, and nobody said a word. (laughs) I think you'll find this was my orrery. I brought with me. Well, because clearly Letty, when when Exina is like, I'm here for the orrery, Letty is like, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, Also, a a new word for my my dictionary. I did not know that's what that was called. So it's a fun word to say. Mm -hmm. Orrery. Orrery. That's that's Mitch McConnell saying orrery. Well, (laughs) we're going to have the orrery. (laughs) 
I, I, I should not like <laughs> lean into political things that did make me laugh. But the video of him falling getting on stage, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I have not. Oh, it's, I think it's a press conference. Um, so in the last week, uh, and he is going up on, I think it's his re election actually. And he goes to go up on this stage and he just eats it. Like, it's like a step up and he goes down pretty hard. He's an old man and he can't get back up and he needs to be helped back up. Oh, um, my goodness. Yeah, up, his seat is up for grabs. Up, yeah, it's up there with moments of pure delight and joy as Kelsey Grammer falling off the stage. All right. <laughs> as I've watched this thing about 10 times on loop and it, it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. That, <laughs> which reminds me, at some point, we need to schedule money playing. Um, just, <laughs> <Although, yeah. laughs> just putting that out into the ether so that the once the audience knows that we're going to talk about that movie. Yep. Did I, I can't remember. Did I send you the clip or did you send me the clip? You sent me the clip, but I oh, had, I was aware of it already. And then as soon as you sent it to me, it was like, yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Duncan. <laughs> it, was, it was meant to be. <laughs> right. I'm a bad ass motherfucker. I said it to you and you watched you were like at last the prophecy has come true (laughs) right (laughs) money plane as it was foretold (laughs) lo there shall be a movie in which a wrestler steals a money plane it's just like there's something incredibly amazing about the fact that Kelsey Grammer known for playing a very intelligent psychologist albeit not very great in the romance department just continually saying fucking money plane (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want to see that movie so much. Yeah. It, it, anyway, well, we will. We shall get to it. But so uh, Hippolyta, she is talking to her dad on the phone mm-hmm. and uh, then gets interrupted to explain to a guy in the office that this Ori is broken. And then the dude is like, well, the, you know, this is a television show. And one thing I know for sure is that <laughs> every luck thing has a key. Yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, watch this space. Right, exactly. Like, at some point, uh, like, I haven't seen episode six yet, but episode <laughs> six I almost certainly is going to have an Ori being unlocked. Yeah, we're, set, we're setting it up. We're just letting you know this is a thing. It'll right. It'll be a thing later on. And when that thing becomes a thing later on, we'll need a thing to unlock the thing. When is we have, yes, when we have our Hippolyta episode, that is yes. what it's going to be about. Um, yes, which might be the next episode by the looks of things. So yeah. I am down to clown on that episode, Bo. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So uh, then we go to find Letty. As you know, this is a Journey Smollett uh, fan podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes to the colored library, uh, as the, the building says, to find Atticus. And she is pissed that, quote, a white sorceress bitch showed yep. up at her door and the house she paid for, which Tick apparently knew she had paid for and didn't tell her. And, and like to put things in context, episode three finished and this is the same day. So episode four is the same day. So Tick still has his backpack because he was going to do like a, a hit and run, essentially, um, on Xtina and get, get the fuck out of Dodge. Um, so we're, we're right on. So like he's not, he's worked it out. He's went to confront her, but he hasn't had time to really, he's, he's realized that things are wrong. So he's away at the library, do a bit of research, Bo. Um, and I'll just say, uh, Lay's um, library decorum is fucking atrocious, Bo. As this small boy who just keeps giving her this stink eye is really going to be shh. Yeah. <laughs> let me read my journey at the center of the earth, motherfucker. Um, 
But yeah, they, they, they get into it. And yeah, we yeah. kind of explained the the invulnerability spell that she has. It's basically yeah. catching Letty up on like, okay, here's all the shit. Yeah. And, and it's also it's also a chance for Tick to basically say, listen, I'm now 100% sure she specifically inserted me in to the equation at the mansion just to murder her dad. Like that's that's like she's ruthless. You need to watch out for her. She like that's the only reason I was there is because like she knew about the invulnerability spell. She knew about all this stuff and she basically brought me in as a essentially as a loophole to, to wipe out her dad. Right. I'm just saying we should be wary of her, right? That's why I'm right. doing my research. Magic, yo, let's get ourselves up to speed with things so we can defend ourselves. Can we all get on the same page here? Can I have an amen? High five, sister. Come on, let's do this. And um, Letty is, to see, not best pleased. But once again, Letty, this is why I love her, because she cuts through the bullshit. She's like that. Why don't you just go and speak to your dad? Montrose clearly knows more about this. Um and he's like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to get my dad involved. So like, but he has done the research. We know he has because he he was out there. He was at Ardham. We know he got out there. He didn't get out there by accident. He's done the research in this. And Tick just kind of brushes her off. You know, he's not interested. Letty storms out in tremendous fight. I love to see her come, Bo, but I love to see her go. Sure, she has, sure. There's an aggressive wiggle that I really like. And um, Tick's like, oh, you know. So he starts opening the book and starts seeing who's checked out the books. And there's a name in common amongst all the books he's looking at. But who would that be? Oh, it's his dad, Montrose, who has <laughs> done all of this shit already. And once again, Letty was right. Damn you, Letty! Right. And Tick is just like, God damn it. All right. So he goes to the bar. The bar, the only bar that we've really seen thus far. Right, where Letty and Montrose are already at a back table talking. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like the the Han Solo Chewbacca kind of <laughs> Skywalker at most Isla scene. Right. Looking for a ship, kid. Uh, yeah. And there's. <laughs> There's a great moment here where, like, Tick is, is is telling, like, hey, why aren't you helping me? Why are you constantly getting in the way of this? And uh, he's like, listen, I'm just trying to save you from all the other lodges, all 34 of them. And yeah. Tick is like, huh? There are 34 lodges? See, I didn't even know that. And Montrose is like, well, maybe there aren't. And you're like, oh, Montrose, you already fucked up. Don't try to yeah, cover this. You played your cards too soon. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then I'm thinking 34 of the lodges, and then instantly in the back of my head, I was like, this show could go on for a long time, Bo, and I would be good with that. <laughs> right. Every season is a lodge, and I'm I'm fine. Mm. Uh, but, you know, he's he's like, I'm doing this all for you. Like, I everything I'm doing is to protect you from you know, this world that is only going to destroy us mm -hmm. and tick storms off. And then Letty looks back and is like, you know, you're an asshole for letting him run off on his own. And then Montrose is like, Hey, all right, you got any family in Boston? Cause I think that's where the vault is. That's got all these pages from the, whatever Hiram stole. Mm -hmm. And, and so now 
uh, we are off on an adventure, but <laughs> road trip. <laughs> not before we set up kind of the subplot with Extina, mm-hmm. who is playing hide and seek with some kids as the scene starts, which is kind of fun because she so can't. She's so like, like <laughs> she's never played hide and seek before. Yeah, she doesn't know the rules. The kids like, no, you have to go and hide, and she's like, do I do? She's like, if you never played it, and she's like, no, I never have. Uh, but then the the, the popo, the five obo. Sure. Oh, Five <laughs> Yeah. So this is where we kind of get, we fill in some pieces of what was going on in episode three, actually. Yes. Which once again, one of the reasons you should love this show, because when they're, you don't even know they're setting up stuff that's going to become important later on. Uh, but when you, when it does arrive, you're like, ah, Right. We're like this cop who gave Letty a bunch of shit in the third episode and bounced her around in the back of that paddy wagon. Mm-hmm. Well, come to find Duncan. This guy is uh, is trying to find the orrery as well. And then she says, like basically some cops pick her up, take her to Lancaster. And uh, she tells him like she's in town to find this orrery. And uh, he says, well, it's the key to Hiram's time machine. And you're like, what? Yes. Well, what the fuck? Said, see, when she said that, once again, my dick went from flaccid to erect really fast, bro. Like, so much so that I, I kind of felt like headed, like the blood went rapidly out of my brain. Because um, that's what the show needs. <laughs> the show should have a time machine, because why the fuck not? Oh, and it's how we get Uncle George back. Oh, dude, d- see if... I'll be back in a couple episodes, goddammit. Just find see, a goddamn time machine. See, see if he's back in a couple episodes because of a goddamn time machine. This show, yeah, best show ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can bring Uncle George back using a goddamn time machine. That is, um, that was my note. It was AKA the thing that is going to bring Uncle George back. Uh, oh, that is, I love how your brain works, Bo. And so she says, so I went to that house and it turns out there were black people there. How did that happen in your city, Mr. Lancaster, Mr. Big Shot Racist Cop? <laughs> and he's like, hey, you can't come busting into my lodge. And she's like, this lodge is unofficial, all right? Mm-hmm. I don't think you ever got the paperwork signed on this place. <laughs> and... <laughs> And then Lancaster reminds her, she's like, you know, uh, whether or not I'm official, you don't belong here anyway because of that vagina you got. Yes, he may may have used the C word. Yes, the the more (laughs) Scottish example. Yes, Uh, I didn't use it in the friendly colloquial way that we use it when greeting each other. Uh, He used it in the... Like it's proper term, probably. <laughs> sure, the the aggressive, mean way, and uh, yeah, which once again is the the start reminder that she there's a glass ceiling to how much she should be or can be involved in the process. Right, and and again, once we get into the next episode, so much of that is about this shit, yes. and and I love going back through this episode and seeing all the places where you're like, oh, this is like it's set up perfectly. Yes, Exena. Is- is doing exactly what she ought to be doing in all of these scenes. Um, yeah, she's she. Not only is it set up perfectly, it's set up perfectly in such a way that you don't realize they're setting up. Right. That's again. That's why this show is really good because some bullshit that you don't think is important will come back. Important. Yeah, it comes back two episodes <laughs> later. And you're like, God damn it, that was really good. <laughs> you got me, Lovecraft Country. You fucking got me. Um. Anyway. <laughs> 
So um, then we get a scene that's pretty fun with like uh, Atticus and Letty awkwardly pecking up Woody, the big station wagon. Mm-hmm. And then Montrose shows up, but it turns out uh, Hippolyta and D are coming too. Yep. And then the tree, the fucking dude oh, from tree. the bar shows uh, up and he's like, hey, y'all going to Philly? <laughs> and they're like, God damn it. And the, and Hippolyta, fortunately, uh, like she is she suspects that Montrose and these people aren't telling her the truth about what, what happened to George. Yeah. Her in the bullshit, first place, her, her bullshit meter is already kind of uh, is, is up around the, you know, the amber. <laughs> right. It's, it's not quite red yet, but it's up at the amber. So Letty is pissed off at Attica. Atticus is pissed off at Montrose. Letty's also semi-pissed off at Montrose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hippolyta doesn't trust any of those fuckers. Nope. And, and the, she's there. And then Tree shows up just to be like, y'all going to Philly? He's got a great line later. <laughs> Letty once again. Is your- it's yeah. It, he's such a like dumb comic relief that I really uh, I really like his character. Uh, and but Hippolyta is like, hey, uh, you know, George always said that Woody fit half the south side of Chicago, uh, and and so they all pack into Woody and off they go to Boston. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Duncan, we get a, a, a quick cutaway to Ruby, who you yep. know because she's been trying to get uh, a job at this department store. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the department store that she's been applying to and whatnot and discovers there is now a black lady now working there who just got hired. Yeah. And she's like, you must have applied here a bunch of times, right? And the girl is like, nah, I just kind of did it on a whim and got the job. (laughs) And of course, Ruby... I think Fairly looks like a bulldog that's licked piss off a thistle. <laughs> I mean, just like, just not best pleased. <laughs> no, uh, not not pleased about this girl who will no, learn his Tamara. Uh, yeah, she's fucking raging. But she's like, uh, once again, a, a great casting. Uh, the actress that plays Ruby plays it because <laughs> you can see the rage behind the eyes, but her demeanor's like, oh, that's that's. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's good for you. Good for you. That's 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 that's, that's great. Yeah, good good for you. <laughs> yeah, that interrogation gets more real later, but yeah, mm. it, so Ruby is is displeased to say the least. Yeah. So she's going to she's going to drink her worries away later on in a great scene. Um, <laughs> so but a great scene. But first we go to Boston. Yeah. Where and meanwhile we've got Yep. Uh to Boston? Yes, they're they're good good enough for me. Maybe they're out of luck, Duncan, but they're good enough. <laughs> oh, oh, well played. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> um, they they're at this museum. Just look like everybody there is looking for this secret tomb, except for Tree, <laughs> Hippolyta, and mm-hmm. D, who are just yes. there for museum reasons. But Hippolyta is scoping them out because, again, of all the suspicion. So mm-hmm. she's like, they're up to fucking something. Yeah, she's like, we, we'll, we all, we'll all meet 
here back in two hours, okay? In two hours, everyone? And everyone's like, yup, check. And then Tree's like, now's the time to make my smooth move on Letty. And um, explains why he's called Tree. Now, Bo, for our listeners out there that may not have picked up exactly what he was saying, how did he come up with the nickname Tree? Yeah, because uh, of his big dick and all, Duncan. Because <laughs> most people have two legs. He has Tree. <laughs> yeah, and, and Letty, of course fires this right back where she's like <laughs> brutally fires her back <laughs> you know if we'd fucked in high school like you said i would have known that wouldn't i seymour <laughs> seymour yeah calls him seymour <laughs> but what but like his opening line the the opening gambit here duncan isn't the tree line it's mm-hmm. hey y'all think they got some dinosaurs here yeah it's yeah. fucking funny it's, man it's yeah he's 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 <laughs> Tree, Tree's just a big dope. Like, he, I don't think he's a bad dude or anything. Of course not. Of he's course not. just a dope. Yeah. And <laughs> anyway, so when Lenny tells him to fuck off, uh, we cut to the, one of the cooler scenes of the, like, it doesn't have anything to do with anything yet, mm-hmm. but probably will later, where it's D and Hippolyta in the planetarium. Mm-hmm. of of uh the museum and they they're looking at a comet and and Hippolyta is like yeah I named that comet and yeah. tells this story about how w- when she was a kid and it's what Harris Chariot I think is the name of it that's correct yeah and when she was a kid there was a contest to name this comet that had just been discovered among a bunch of like school kids and whatnot and she submitted the winning uh, entry which was Harris Chariot but uh, when the they discovered that she was black they picked a white girl to kind of be the the face of the uh, the the comet you know like they didn't want to they, they did not want to celebrate the name given to a comet by a, a young black girl mm-hmm. and so uh, D is like that's you should have stood up you should have done something that's fucking terrible and Hivala is like well watch your mouth first of all second of all (laughs) second of all you and I know and that's enough for me and D is like hey everybody you see that comet right there Harris Chariot my mom named that that comet and then she looks at Hippolyte and says now everybody here knows too mm-hmm. and it's oh it's such a sweet little moment yeah, I these awesome it. I really like she's she not used much in this series thus far but every time she's been on the screen I've really enjoyed what it is that she's bringing also like we, we kind of glossed over it earlier on Hippolyte uh, appears to have found her interest and um astronomy from her dad who she was on the phone to when she was looking at it and they were talking about specifically an eclipse and the idea of two suns uh, or two stars so to speak um, it being the reason behind something causing an eclipse which once again plays into the fact that on one of the earlier episodes she had the telescope and she was just looking at that telescope and we were like oh she's got a telescope and I think at the time we were like yeah it's an interesting little detail <laughs> don't yeah. think that'll ever come back up boom Lovecraft Custody is like what what you thought you thought I was just a throwaway thing no <laughs> like whole fucking episode about to come up on it to deal with it um, <laughs> yeah, there you go nothing, nothing is an accident in this show um, but on, on the mean, in the meantime 
we are following our heroes as they are trying to dig up some information and work out roughly where the tomb is. And they have worked out where the tomb is. If uh, be- one, one final note, Duncan, if I may. Yes. Sorry to interrupt. But one other note about the this planetarium scene. We talk a lot about moments on this show where racism kind of rears its head. Yes. I find it to be really interesting that the one scene in this planetarium is, is completely uh, like mixed race. In this room, there is the room that's dark that, but also it is the room most devoted to science. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if that isn't part of it, too. I don't know. It was just something I noted where it's like, oh, when like D yells out, there's no guard that's like, shut up, little black girl. Like none of that shit. It's like everybody just like there's no assigned seating where D and Hippolyta have to be away from the white crowd and that kind of thing it was just one of those moments of like huh i wonder why in this in this particular instance we're not highlighting that yeah because like on on a kind of philosophical level uh, race is not important when looking at the stars yeah, you know I mean, right. You realize how fucking small and insignificant humanity actually is, regardless of race. <laughs> like, you right. Want to, you want to like you want to split up that that tiny little thing of importance in the grand scheme of the universe. Go ahead. <laughs> like, it, you know, it means nothing in the, the the context of the celestial body. So, um, yeah, I think I, I'm with you on that one. I think it's as interesting to note also as a talking point or a discussion point, wider angle within the context of the show, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, back back to our heroes. Yes, and they've worked out that this monument, this not at all suspicious avant-garde-looking monument, which is basically Titus atop a fucking, almost a plaque stone surrounded by gnashing crocodiles, um, <laughs> which basically might have, it might have just said, the door is here. <laughs> <laughs> it would be more subtle if there'd been a neon sign behind it. Uh, so, like, we, you know, we need to get in here when people aren't here and all the rest. Montrose is already two steps away. He's uh, he's having a word with the black security man, the guard, and he has worked his magic. Everything is cleared. They get a, a shot at this when um, the the museum is closed. They'll get a, a chance to make their way back in and uh, and see if they can get gain access. Now, I'm just going to say, about there are a few things in the world that make me as happy when discussing this show when I can start to bring in factors that I never considered. One being specifically uh, Indiana Jones and the second thing coming up later on, which is the Goonies. Um, there's also a little bit of national treasure in here. As well, mm-hmm. which, uh, For sure. Uh, all, all these things that I didn't think Lovecraft Country were going to give me, but they've given me in this episode. If they never give me them again, I am overjoyed that they gave me them to begin with. Yeah, it's kind of fun that they're just like, hey, we're going to do our swashbuckling episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, but before we get into the true adventure, there is a, a, a significant conversation between Tree and Atticus. Yes. Where, where Atticus, as he's hunting for the statue that they eventually are like, hey, what about this big ass thing? Um, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Tree comes up to him and is like, hey, Atticus, uh, I don't appreciate you calling me out on that tree shit. <laughs> 
with Letty. Like she, I, I thought when I told you I fucked her, that was a secret between us. Mm-hmm. And Atticus is just like, I don't have time for this. I don't care. There's <laughs> crazy white people around who apparently are trying to bring back the Garden of Eden. Your problems are insignificant, Seymour. Right. And but then Tree suggests uh, that. Atticus is mad at Tree because he sent him out to see Sammy getting a blowjob at the back of the bar in episode one. Yeah. Again, a thing that did not seem significant at the time other than like, oh. It's going to come back so much. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's super key to a lot of this. Yeah, which once again, I love because it happened. We just like kind of blew over that scene, pun intended. Um, And then, you know, (laughs) it's it's going to come back in a, a way which I think gives a certain motivational action and also stories of how rough Tick's upbringing was Yeah, off the back of this. I think it was really interesting, actually, in a way where I went... And there's a scene, <laughs> it's a scene later on that I can't wait to talk about. Yeah, no, it illuminates... It, it illuminates Montrose's character in a way that... Yeah. Like, it totally recontextualizes his, yeah. his character. But The scene later on illuminates. Yes. Illuminates. Illuminates. Oh, it's so good, man. Oh, uh, anyway. <laughs> so, um... Oh, man. This fucking show. But, but, but Tree is like... Um, hey, maybe I was just trying to give you a heads up. And, you know, because Montrose and Sammy have been hanging out a bunch. And Atticus is like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? And Tree is like, maybe it has everything to do with everything, baby. And Atticus is like, what? And then gets distracted by real shit, you know, like the statue and blah, blah, blah. But, yes. but, but Atticus also now has a grain of doubt in his head so when he looks at montrose talking to this guard he's like has he been up to some shit Mm -hmm. and then we cut away from that to extina yes uh she enters a house uh after some police uh outside placed there by lancaster are kind of eyeing her like "Eh, all right we're we're here to both watch and intimidate extina Mm -hmm. and she's like whatever i'll see you assholes later yep and then walks into the house, and then out comes William. Yeah, Whitey McWhite. Yeah, who is sort of the... Uh, he reminds me a lot of the guy who played uh, Eric on True Blood. He, he is the fucking spitting image of the guy. that Like, the hairstyle, the, the, the mannerisms. Um, yeah, 100%. He's maybe not as tall, uh, yeah. but 100%. And the, the show the showrunners must know that. There's no, there's no way yeah. they don't. So, so anyway, William strolls out there, and he's like, I believe you boys are bothering my sister. And then just beats the ever-living fuck out of him. Yeah, matrixism. Yeah. Like, literally just like a fucking, you know, I know kung fu, dismantles piece by piece. Uses the, the car door as a weapon in a way which made me smile uh, endlessly. And then just dismantles these two police officers and leaves them in a crumpled mess. Yeah. And I'm like, like, William's got skills. Because like, yeah. remember, like, our interactions with William earlier on was, is he the butler? Maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He's a manservant William. And, yep. Uh, but yeah, he he ends this confrontation just <laughs> with a Xena doesn't like to be followed. Yeah. And now, gentlemen, I have a date. Yes. And I'm like, oh, he's got a date. I wonder who's going to have a date with. And this did my heart so, so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we leave. We, we put a pin in that. 
because mm-hmm. now it's time to get back to our, our Goonies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tick, Letty, and Montrose who have shown up at the museum after dark to try to find a way into this tomb or this vault. Yeah. And then Montrose is the one who's like, he sees some moonlight coming through the window and he's like, hey, everybody, turn off your flashlights, assholes. <laughs> and and so they do. I was on the wire. <laughs> right. I was Omar. Can you believe that kid got me out of nowhere? Anyway, spoilers for the wire. Um, it just goes to show you the random nature of life on the streets. Can the medium send a bet like a Husky William Shatner? It's it right now. When I did it, I was like, that sounds a bit like Shatner. And I wasn't sure if I should go all the way. But now oh, all the way, always all go right. full shot, always go full shot. Fair enough. And uh, we needed a voice for Montrose. And here it is. Um, yeah, never, never hold back on the shot. Just really yeah. simple. Hey, um, assholes. The <laughs> moonlight is shining on that map over there. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe we want to take a closer look. And then so they all, they all turn like off their their flashlights, and then the moonlight does come in, and then it straight up cross between national treasure, but more kind of. It's just staff of, of Ra. It's just yeah. It's the readers of the Lost Ark bounces off. Uh, first bounces off uh, Titus, then bounces off the symbol on Titus's treasure map because that's a fucking thing in this. Love this show so uh-huh. much. And then bounces off the the kind of crocodile tooth, which Letty reaches over and turns, and lo and behold, the door opens, revealing a rope which goes into the very bells of the museum. Yeah, and then, uh, like, Atticus goes down first. He's like, you know, hey, I was in a war and shit. Let me, let me <laughs> scope this out. He gets to the bottom, and just immediately, Letty grabs the map, goes down with him, and then Montrose is like, well, I'm not going to be the only idiot left up here. <laughs> And then climbs down with them. And so... Because yeah, what the modules specifically says is... Because um, it's... Uh, Tick shouts up, we, I need the map. And he's like, no, I made a deal with the, the guard that nothing would be broken at all. And Letty just... She's like, whatever, old man. Smashes the... Throws it down. They all go down there. Uh, so they have a map. There's three of them in the basement with three possible... Three possible tunnels they can go down, Bo, with three of them. Um, and uh, riddle me this, Bo, which way should they go? Duncan, I only kept up with this for a second, where it's like, well, his last trip to New Guinea was in 1810, but then in 1813, he started the Sons of Adam. And finally, they're just like, uh, this one. And... I, <laughs> because... <laughs> I kept up with the real elbow. Uh, so basically, the museum was re- three years after he was in the Caribbean. He created the Sons of Adam, right? Right. The group, and that was two years after he had renovated the the museum. So he'd done a considerable work on the museum. Ergo, built this cave underneath and all the rest uh, and all the tunnels. So, but once again. Um, while they're having this conversation, Montrose just can't help himself but give away a little bit too much detail, specifically about knowing about the whole um, Diana trip um, and all the stuff that happened there. So he's like, you know, like, yeah, you, you completely ravaged that country of all his wealth. And they're like, oh, I don't know anything about that. I know he went to the Caribbean. And he's like, yes, <laughs> neither did I. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't know where I sourced that information from. It was and- just a hunch. It just just a hunch. Bones. Somebody help me. Uh, 
Spot. I'm, a, I'm a doctor, not a historian, Jim. I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that. I thought I could do better, and then I realized I'd steer too far out the cliff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dick, scan this map. <laughs> so they, they go through it quite. They decide to go down the Caribbean tunnel route, expedition route. Yes. So they head off that way, and nothing bad's going to happen now. That's going to be an easy journey as they meander down a corridor to what will clearly just be the reveal of the, the book pages that they want and no shenanigans at all will happen in between because we've had enough of that already, Mo. <laughs> yeah, in fact, the, the show is so willing to abandon this story, we just cut over to Ruby singing a song. It's just like, you know yeah. what? Everybody's fine. So She's, she's singing, singing a great song as she finishes and you could the, 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 the reaction of the audience is thus that you could hear a rat piss on cotton in the corner. Yeah, it's and muted, I guess best, is the word. She gives the best line, a line as a musician who has played live and finished a song. And, I, you know, depending on the crowd, you didn't always get the warmest of uh, responses to your music. The one thing you always want to say, but you can't because... You hope they buy your CD at the end of it. Is she's all oh, fuck you guys? <laughs> she gets off. I'm like yes, Ruby, um, and she's having that. She's having the shittest night ever, bro. She she dolled herself up to the nines. Went to finally pluck up the courage to go and apply for that job, and um, to find out that it was given away to someone who just did it on a whim. Uh, she just sang her heart out in a pub where no one has given the round of applause. No one seems interested. And you know what? She's going to walk back up to the bar. She can't even afford a fucking drink. Life yeah. is not smiling on Ruby. No, it, it, you've described it well. Like, it's a real shit day for her. And then uh, out at the end of the bar is William, mm-hmm. uh, who's like, hey, can I buy you a drink? Um <laughs> They're both Shatner for some stupid reason. And then <laughs> so much shot in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, um, look, I can change your life. And she's like, look, I've heard that from a lot of white guys before. Like you guys come down here trolling for, you know, essentially black strange mm-hmm. and then run back to your, you know, your townhouses and shit. And uh, so she accepts his drink. But she is, you know, skeptical to say the least. Yeah, and she, like, and the audience, ergo me and you, are even more skeptical where we're like that. I don't know what, like, is this so, like, Ruby can go in and steal the orrery? Maybe? Yeah, and and there's only one other kind of PS on this storyline in this episode, so let's, let's go ahead and, and knock that out, which is... Yep. Ruby ends up having a couple of drinks with him. She complains to William about not getting the job. And she says, you know, the thing is, if I were white, I wouldn't even have to try. Yep. You know, like, like all this effort I'm doing, I wouldn't have to do any of it. And then she's like, look, I appreciate the drinks and all, but one thing we need to make clear right now, <laughs> I'm not going to fuck you. Yep. And then Marilyn Manson starts playing. <laughs> I put a spell on you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, you do. And, and yes. W- while Marilyn Manson sings, <laughs> I put a spell on you, William and Ruby, again, taking the advice of, of uh, this year podcast, they get down to some fucking. Oh, they, they capital F fuck. They do, on, they do on wooden stairs, which hurts, but is worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a real something, man. Like, uh, Ruby is played by uh, Wunmi Masako. Masa- she's fucking Mosaku. brilliant. And she's, right, she is 
again, you know, uh, listeners, our feelings on, on Journey Smollett. I think we can safely add to that list of, of undying love now is uh, Wunmi Mosaku. Um, yeah, especially after the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is good. Like, you're already, it's like, God damn, she fucked... She fucked the shit out of that guy. And yeah. and vice versa. They were fucking. It was yeah, great. It's like there's a... Like, when they get in through the door, begin with, they knock over, like, a, a glass vase, and um, she cuts her hand, and, like, William just goes on to sucking on that blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, very true blood, by the way. When I, yeah. thought, I was like, oh, yeah, right, Eric. Um, Eric McQuite, that's what we're going to call you. Um, and I... Like they just, I was like, like, it's hot and heavy, and Marlon Manson's playing in the background, and I am loving everything this show is doing. Um, right. And yeah, they just need to keep picking Marlon Manson songs and playing them, and I'm a happy guy. And yeah, it's just, it's just a great, great scene. And I'm still at the back, in the back of my head, thinking, what is William's endgame here? <laughs> like, it's, it's not, it's not evident. And I was still thinking, well, it's to steal the orrery, obviously. Um, but then I was thinking, like obviously, Extina doesn't know, so William doesn't know because she's not told William mm-hmm. that, that essentially uh, Letty doesn't know because a lot doesn't know where the orrery actually is. Um, at the moment, it's off the grid. I don't think anyone has clocked that Hippolyta's got it. Um, so you know, there's that. You know, this is a, a almost a failed mission if that's what the the outcome that they want is. Because if she goes into the house, she's not going to be able to find it because it's not there. So it's like, what what is going on here? What is the end? What do we want out of this situation? Well, all right. And, and we'll learn that there is an ulterior motive. The best ulterior motive ever, Paul. But there, but there are competing motives here. Because yes. there, there's the one that's direct. And then there's the one that is maybe more esoteric. And, yes. But we'll, we'll get into that stuff. So right now we're going to leave William and Ruby fucking... To Marilyn Manson, as they should, for, you know, a week. Yes. And and so then back to our our, our scrappy band of adventurers. <laughs> Montrose is doing the chunk shuffle. Um, <laughs> Come on, guys. This is humiliating. <laughs> and then Letty, Letty, Tick, and Montrose have found, like, this plank uh, that extends over an abyss. Yes, only the the penitent man can pass. (laughs) Right, they throw some (laughs) dust. Right. It was very Last Crusade. And they they tie a rope over one another, or to to Letty in particular. They're like, Letty, you go first. This looks dangerous. Um, (laughs) You're a badass. We're not. (laughs) If you don't mind, Letty, would you mind putting on this red shirt? I think you'll find it fits quite well. What well, is the red shirt of this episode? Yeah. But she is really, but she is, but she isn't really bold. Yeah. Go on. Keep keep walking. And yeah. then she's like, is this not gonna hold? And Montrose is like, Yeah, it's an old family nut. See, the Freemans used to be slaves and yeah. they were responsible for tying down the horses, mister. And so <laughs> sorry. Just taking it for a walk. Um <laughs> I love it because she takes a couple of steps, so she's out of like she's out of distance of hearing, and then Tick turns back to his dad and goes like, "The Freeman burner for slaves." <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, we didn't do knots, and it's obviously just to give her the the confidence. Yeah, well, and he he tells her she's on that board, isn't he, Mister? Yeah, and. <laughs> 
guess she is. Um, <laughs> and actually, the way he puts it is, she out there, ain't she? Yeah. Which is quality Montrose. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so Letty gets freaked because there's something flying. It's the, the monster from the uh, <laughs> mirror and house flying around. <laughs> it's a 35-year-old reference. Enjoy, youngsters. Um, <laughs> mm, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> So she she's freaked out by that, and it turns out uh, there's a, a pendulous axe swinging uh, yeah. that Vincent Price had apparently put there. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, it's a pet and a pendulum, <laughs> and and then the the plank uh, to make things worse starts to vanish. Yeah, and the best part, like you, if you thought this was dangerous, if you thought this the stakes were high right now, how about vanishing board? <laughs> right, so. Montrose has to jump onto the plank. Oh, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. So the, <laughs> he has to jump, and all Tick has to do is catch him. So we're going to use a dry run first, which is catch my bag. <laughs> right. I'm not saying that I don't trust you, your, your your ability to play the game of catch, but let me just lob this bag at you. What happens to the bag, Bo? How about an underhanded bag? This is easy as pie. And yeah, and immediately Attic is just like, whoop, uh, uh, no, and it just goes Watch down that. into the pit. <laughs> that doesn't inspire confidence, mister. And, but then he has to jump anyway. And, and it's like, you better catch me. <laughs> um, it does a, a, a jump, a running jump. And of course, Tick catches him. Yeah. We, we're still getting over Uncle George passing on. We cannot have Montrose going the same way. No. You've got me. Who's got you? <laughs> <laughs> I believe I can fly. Oh dear. Uh, Someone's getting peed on, allegedly. 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 Allegedly, allegedly Bo. Uh, let's make sure, disclaimer, Duncan's views do not express the views of this podcast or Bo. Or, or me, uh, my views either. So so the they have to do all this thing where they're like running from this shrinking plank. They have to get past the, a swinging axe. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, there's a Medusa head floating at them in a pattern. It's uh, if only they had the chain whip instead of the leather one. Uh, it's much easier that way. And <laughs> they, get, they get to the end and there's like a, a panel with a couple of pictographic like stone buttons um, that appear to. I'll lay out the Garden of Eden scene. And um, of course, we remember from right at the beginning of this episode where Montrose was having a Duncan Friday night moment um, that he was reading this passage over and over again. Hopefully you've written it down, Bo, because I can't remember. Something about Eve fucked Adam. And then there are monsters and stuff. It's basically a riddle that kind of gets them. If they hit the thing in the right order, it opens the door. So, And of course, Montrose comes out with this and the moment of panic and the door opens and... <laughs> Letty and Tick are like, how did he know that? You know, like she's another one of those classic, you know, Montrose giving away that he knows a bit too much. And of course, this is going to be confronted sooner rather than later. But they end up in a room with some water in it, right. and it's quickly noted that the water is starting to rise. And Tick noticed that when they went in the position of the moon and when the tide comes in, so he thinks realistically they have about an hour or so to find the missing pages before they are drowned. 
So once again, out of the frying pan, into the fire. Right. And and also, he's bleeding a little bit, Atticus is. And when Letty tries to help him, he's like, I'm fine. And yeah, you're like, like man. She, she, she's, like, she's like, you're bleeding, man. He's like, ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. Like, well, you got time to duck. <laughs> right. But it, it, it's a real, like, just do not keep Letty at arm's length, you idiot. Yeah, well, there's, there's a tender moment here because, like, coming up very soon, actually, a tender moment between father and son, which, I mean, the moral of the story is exactly what Duncan and Bo would say, you should be fucking. Right, it kind of <laughs> is. Uh, but- it's, like, it's a very fancy, eloquent way of saying you should be fucking. Well, and so they get, uh, Atticus and Montrose are getting into it about him, Montrose having both taken and then destroyed this book. Yeah, Uncle George gave him the book that he found in the secret library and with all the rules of the Sons of Adam and that was the book that was burned at the beginning and the the, the incredulity that is washed over our main characters here trying to work out why we do that and he basically says, listen, George, dying wish to me was protect my family. This is how I protect my family. And I love this. So this is how I remove this so no one can track down any of the, the orders, places and all the rest. He's saying this while they're trapped in a room with the water rising on a, a mission to find pages. Right. <laughs> it's like it's it's been for nothing. If anything, what he's done is he's burned a useful tool in the process. Like every step that Montrose tries to make here to try and stop his son progressing this mission, this, you know, this uh, crusade, it horribly backfires. You know, I mean, it, it's going to happen anyway, and all they've done is removed the tool that would have been useful in this circumstance. Um, so, of course, they storm away from Montrose, who... It, it, I mean, is it selfish intention or is it the best intention? This is, I, this is I, I, I find really interesting about Montrose as a character. I do think it's the best of intentions. Yes. I, mean, I, I really do. I, I think he's complicated. Like the, the, Montrose is an interesting character because he's trying to do the right thing, but in doing the right thing, he does some absolutely horrible things and he does yeah. some, some things that are, like you said, are, are kind of one step forward, two steps back, where mm-hmm. he thinks he is... He just can't wrap his head around the idea that, like, Tick is going to do this whether I want him to or not. Yeah. And and until that happens, he is going to be a foil to Tick. And even though he's there, he's also there because he wants to protect his son. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as, as shitty as he is at portraying that sometimes. And mm-hmm. anyway, so... W- in in the background of this, Letty discovers the corpse of one of the guys who was died from the radiator and babyface <laughs> ghost in the previous episode. And I'm like, oh, right. The tunnel they're in is actually just under the house. Right. We, and didn't ha- we did not have to go to Boston. That's the thing that we learn here is that there's an elevator that goes up to letty's house down here in these flooding catacombs Mm -hmm. and that it appears that these catacombs are a way to get to lots of places very quickly it's sort of this is what this is what Hiram was doing Hiram basically bought the house and then started creating these tunnels as a shortcut to get the pages yes and he's he's right exploring and trying to to get the pages and they kind of theorize that he died in in the process of getting Hiram's pages I mean certainly everything later on <laughs> right so when letty after she freaks out and they find the elevator and stuff like that um he atticus is like all right get in there and get up and i'm gonna go look for these pages and letty finally gives him uh, the shit that he deserves where she's like hey 
would you the the line she has is would you quit acting like this shit is only happening to you yeah like you're not my protector you're not my defender yeah, like I'm in this too. We're partners in all of this. Yeah, this is basically what Extina told her earlier on. Yeah, like, he's he's a he's a cog in the story, but he's not you know the he's not the main cog. Right, um, he's just as important as you are. Yeah, two different characters in this episode have told us that Atticus is not the main character, and I'm starting to believe this show. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> his his blood is important, as we will find out. But that's about it. Right, like he's significant, but right, like it, it, it's an ensemble uh, of characters, not not yeah. just the Attica story, and and but there is, uh, as you alluded to earlier, uh, this moment where Montrose is is like, "Hey, bitches, be crazy, am I right, son?" <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and Tick is initially resistant, and he, uh, but he's like, "Yeah, your mother was." quite a lady sometimes she'd really get to fussing and fighting mister mm-hmm. and that's why you have a song for your ladies pal you just think about that song and sing it to yourself when she starts fussing and then when the fussing's over it's down to some loving mm-hmm. and this is the, the advice that montrose's dad ergo tech's grandfather um had passed on so this is the first time We've had a scene with them where there's this proper familial connection, you know, where father is imparting wisdom to son and not a, listen here, stupid boy. Why do you keep fucking up things and making things bad? This is like a, like it's a kind of small tender moment, um, which will pay off later on, by the way. And why those scenes where I'm like, yay. Yeah. Kiss her, you mad fool. <laughs> yeah, it, it's nice. And mm. then they discover uh, that there is a door and there is a hole that appears to be the key that an arm is sticking out of. Yeah. Only an arm. Severed arm. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And so Tick pulls it out and is like, well, I guess we'll see. This is probably Hiram's arm. This is probably where he died, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here goes nothing. Yep. And and he sticks his arm in there to try to open the door, and then some runes around the door glow, and and it opens up, and a like a straight up trap door opens, and a ladder comes falling yeah, out. Yeah, once again, this is the Goonies. This is exactly <laughs> how they find One Eye Willie's One Eye Willie's yeah. room, and the Goonies. They're like like exactly the Goonies. Yeah, it, the the hole in the wall cuts his arm, and it's his blood. You know, the blood of uh, essentially Titus. Um, it's what opens the, the door. And this is why Hiram couldn't get in. So Hiram found the door, but Hiram ain't got no, no, you know, Titus blood in him. So as a result, he, his arm, now I'm assuming he ripped it out from the root because the rest of his body wasn't fucking there. Or, so. or something else did. Like, uh, or you know. something else did. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to that later on, maybe. Uh, but yeah, so the, the, the trap door opens, the fucking rope ladder drops down. I, and this was the first bit I was I was like that. This feels very much like the Goonies, and then they crawl up, and there is like literally, it's like an underground ship, and yeah. like it is the, it is the Goonies. It's yeah. the table with all the pirates sitting around it. But in the case of this one, it's um, it look it looks like maybe Native American people. I think. I wasn't yeah, sure. I think it's from that Guiana trip that they were talking about. Right. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, South Americans and um, who are all there, and they're you know, um, they're all dead and mummified to an extent, and mm. we're going around them, and it looks pretty horrible. And then we get a 
cat like one of the more disturbing scenes, which was basically a dead baby still being nursed by her dead mother, and they look mummified. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's a touch of gnarliness. Well done, Lovecraft Country. Um, but there's a table at the back, and this one doesn't have one eyed Willie on it. Um, <laughs> Atticus is like, yeah, all right, one eyed Willie. <laughs> Uh, although we, we might be seeing a one-eyed willy in a minute um, <laughs> was, was not was not ready for this uh, when they go to take the pages anyway the corpse that's behind the table starts to reanimate uh, and a great scene actually CGI in this is fucking brilliant which makes me wonder why the CGI with the ghost two episodes ago was terrible um, but yeah like the, the get out you know that ghost um, but it starts to reanimate and a very voluptuous woman appears but then the camera pans down uh and she has an ample sized penis bow yeah yeah uh yeah ample is a good way to put it nothing yeah you know it's not a baby's arm but it's do it, it'll yeah. do her just fine yeah yeah i didn't look at it and get jealous bo. yeah but she starts talking and they're like man i wish we could understand what she said and tig is like you guys don't understand her yeah, you guys don't speak parcel tongue. Um, you know, it's like literally, because I mean, it is. It's like he's he's got the bloody titus, so he understands the language. Um, it also explains a lot about Tick later on, actually, in terms of how he does his research and stuff. Um, because he's really knowledgeable in languages and shit, and I get the feeling that that's in the blood. Yeah, it's in the blood. Um, but yeah, so she explains really quickly that you know Titus. Essentially, not only did he, you know, <laughs> like destroy the country, ravage the country, but he had these pages written in a language which he felt that they would be able to read. So he basically kidnapped them. Um, which I mean, sounds like a, I don't know Titus very well, but it sounded like a very Titus thing to do. Yeah, doesn't sound like much of a nice guy, Bo. Yeah, he seems like a real dick. Yeah, and, and so yeah, like you know. Yeah, I, I want to be back with my people very well. Here they all are dead where you will be for eternity. And um, uh, she but and she also says this may come into play. So I'm going to mention it. She says that she knew the words from the cave of Amun Kundi. Yes. Uh, which is a fun thing to say. Yeah. And um, glad you said it. <laughs> yeah. And then she basically tells Atticus this is all like translated through him. But she's like, I'm, I can't help you because I don't know your heart. Yeah. And I, I refuse to help anyone after after your great, great, great grandfather really crawled at me. <laughs> I'm a little hesitant to sign up with another Braithwaite if you, if you <laughs> catch my drift. She was like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. You can't, uh, you can't get fooled again. Right. Right. <laughs> It's like a real, sort of real W. Bush moment there. Uh. So, uh, but nonetheless, Atticus is like, uh, how about I just take those pages? Yoink! And, and that's the noise it makes as well. Yeah, um, right. So he grabs those. As soon as he does, the whole place starts coming down. Again, yeah, very much, very, once again, Goonies. Yeah. Like, I was just waiting to see a boat go off into the distance at the end of this episode. Uh, Sloth roll, rolls in. Yahima, you've been bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it turns out her name is Yahima, the the uh, the goddess with a the twin spirits of masculinity and femininity in her. Um, 
and <laughs> oh god! Oh man! Listen, they they get they, they get out of there. Everything's like everything's filling up with water now. Um, Montrose accidentally wink wink nudge nudge maybe not so accidentally let's go the pages the pages go back into the tunnel the reason I'm saying that is later events in the end of this episode might lead you to believe that he actually just fucking let them go yeah <laughs> so no one can have them uh, but of course Letty ain't ain't no slouch she goes she swims gets them they get back in they settle they now have the pages they've rescued the girl and Everything's coming up great. She is in a room. She's now got some food in front of her. She tries to speak. Uh, no, she tries to speak in the elevator. Yeah. And um, you get the this kind of high-piercing screeching noise, which Tex's only solution for is punch a bitch, which is what he does, and knocks her out. And then we're kind of closing out this episode. There's a reveal that Titus has turned her into a siren. Yeah. So she can't, she can't speak. Yeah, she can't, yeah, can't speak. Can't tell any of his secrets. And can't tell out with the, the, the place that she was in, uh, which is, once again, not known much about Titus, but it's a real Titus thing to do. Real dick move. Right. You can only speak in the one place that I keep you and everywhere yeah. else you are. You are cursed to, you know, this horrifying screech. Yeah. Um. So, but it looks like everything's going to be fine for you, Ema, because um, she's now got a room, a roof over her head, food and people that are going to look after her. And we have this really, really nice moment between Atticus and Montrose where he's like, you, did, you know, you really did me proud out there. You would have made your mum proud. You were so brave, you know. Like, he really kind of lays into to, to how proud he is of his son. And I'm sitting there forgetting that I'm watching a show called Lovecraft Country thinking, it's, it's just so great to see these two bond. Yeah, I'm glad they're, they're, they've, they've seemed to have buried the hatchet that they're going to be a real family finally. Yeah, and then the camera pans around, Tick goes away to bed, and uh, Montrose goes into a room, and I'm like, this isn't Montrose's room. Um, and he goes behind Yima and puts his hand on, put your hand on my shoulder. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, is he going to make the moves? He knows. Right. You know, he, he knows the credo of the show, which is, you should be fucking. And um you catch me with a an immortal he she Duncan. <laughs> this guy is down to clown. <laughs> yeah. And um that's not how things go, Bo. Uh, tell our listeners how this episode finishes. <laughs> yeah, he just slits her throat. He says he apologizes. Sorry, yeah. He, he, he does, yeah. I'm <laughs> he sorry. Apologizes first. <laughs> yeah. Uh I, I'm sorry for what I'm about to do and then and slits her throat. Yeah. Um and it's like not like this. <laughs> yeah, right. And the the only other detail worth noting in this episode before we move on to to episode five, which is mm-hmm. the, the weirdly the better episode. It's a fucking flawless, flawless. It. This was a flawless episode. The next one is a flawless victory animality. <laughs> right, babality. Um, <laughs> friendship, friendship. That's um, so. But there, there's a bit where. Uh, after with with D and Hippolyta and Woody, where they're like, "How did they get back to gotcha. Chicago?" Yeah. And she's like, "I don't know. I got a lot of questions for these assholes." D, don't worry about it. And then D is drawing on the atlas like she is wont to do, mm-hmm. and Hippolyta looks over and sees the uh, Arden County. 
uh, circled on the Atlas or Devon County. I'm sorry. Devon County. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, we're going to get some answers and turns the car around. So D and Hippolyta are on their way to um, Devon County, which we are not going to touch. No, probably it, until episode six. Right. At, at least episode six. So um, without further ado, shall we just jump into episode five? Oh, yeah, we need to do this. Episode five is the one that I have all the things to say about. (laughs) There are so many amazing standout one-off scenes in episode five. It is ridiculous to try and keep track. All right. So, all right. Episode five of Lovecraft Country is called Strange Case. Mm. Oh, Duncan. All right. (laughs) Shows a fucking ride. So we start with Ruby waking up in the body of the old racist lady from Artem. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that is how the show begins, where she's like, the fuck? And she immediately busts out on the street. Where And she's in, you know, South Side of Chicago, black neighborhood. She runs out as this crazed white lady. Yeah. And everybody is like, ma'am, do you need some help? Are you okay? Super kind, non-judgmental, and uh, trying to help her. And in the process of this, um, she bumps into a kid holding some popcorn. This little black kid holding some popcorn, and like, (laughs) like the police just instantly appear. (laughs) He's just like, and come out, and then proceed to like almost beat the shit out of this little black kid. Right? She's Um, like, no, 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 no. He was trying to help me. He was trying to help me. And they're like, are you sure? <laughs> wink, like, wink, nudge, like, nudge. Right, like fist cocked, like, just say the word. I really kind of want to hit this kid. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those, you know, when I stand on your foot and wink three times, you'll <laughs> to the name Mr. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's talking to you. <laughs> I really is one of those words. Um, and I just say, no, 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 that. But apparently they know who she is. And so she gets taken in the car and then they're going to drive her back basically to William, which is not where she wants to go. But they're like, yes, your husband has told us you're off your medication. We're going to get you back to get some medication. But her face starts to go red and blotchy. Yeah. At this point. And if you're like me, you're just confused. Like, I'm like 100% confused with what the fuck is going on. Right. And. A couple of things that I really love in this sequence. One, when the cops show up, she and the kid she bumped into put their both, hands up. Yeah. yeah, they throw up their arms in the exact same way. Yeah. And but they again, they completely ignore her. I, th- I thought that was a, a nice little touch. And also, uh, this the song that they're playing as she's taken home is the beach scene from The Jerk. That yes. I know, I know you belong. <laughs> and so they're taking her home, and she's just like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and really flip it out. <laughs> and, uh, and, but yeah, like you said, she starts kind of cracking and whatnot. It's like, Oh shit. Like there's some, some straight up body horror about to happen here. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she gets, she gets to let her husband, <laughs> AKA William lifts her up, 
carries her over the threshold and onto a floor which has nothing but plastic P- puts her down on fucking plastic and she's just like cracking just no yeah her body's all like contorting you can hear the bones kind of cracking as well and there's something moving under her skin and she's tragically trying to crawl off this plastic and he just walks over and just pulls her back over Dude, um, that moment and- where he grabs her by the ankles and just drags her back onto yeah. the plastic like it's god damn it i don't want to clean all this up yeah, it's absolutely horrific. And then he gets on top of her with a fucking knife. Uh-huh. <laughs> like a giant fucking kitchen knife. And, you know, he, he's basically talking about, like, cocoons and, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. And she's like, I don't want to die. And, you know, William, he's a... You can say a lot of things about him. The one thing we will not say is he doesn't second guess his options. Because yeah. that knife goes in hard. Yeah. Um... And then the, the, I love this because once again the show's great at doing a little bit of juxtaposition. We get a news report talking about Africanized locusts that are heading up towards the British white colonies, and they're you know they need to be eradicated because they're a, a, a nuisance and they multiply too quick and all the rest. Once, once again, th- this is still a tactic that is used in media now when they talk about Africanized bees mm-hmm. um, or Asian hornets or all the rest. You know what I mean? As a way, look at them coming across our borders. Um, and while we're getting this news report in the background, just slightly out of focus, uh, there is bits and flesh and chunks of like insides just getting flung about the place and William looks like he's having a whale of a time he's been he's, he's kind of harnessing his inner Patrick Bateman as he's wearing a raincoat doing all this um, talking about Hugh Lewis and the news right. uh, you know um, really really just kind of you know like screaming something about a reservation at Dorsia um, but yeah he's, he's pulling out he's like pulling all our insides out and I'm like he's just done straight up murdered her well, the, and I like Ruby. How dare you kill off my favorite character at the moment? There is also that cutaway to the eyeball down her throat. Yeah, that is real J horror that I like. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. this shows that this show is just giving it all. But it's just uh, like, here you go, <laughs> have it. So oh, you want some more? Here's some more then. So we leave this scene of mayhem and murder and bone crunching and locusts. Yeah, and I would like to just say, and awesome. Yeah, it, it like that's how the show starts. You're like, the fucking shit. What what is happening? And then we see uh, Tick and Letty show up at Montrose's, and he's like, "Hey, I woke up and Yahima is gone." So yeah, he's sitting there picking the blood out of his fingernails, which I like as a nice little detail. Yeah. <laughs> also, those pages are gone too, huh? Bummer. And yeah, now Tech reads the uh, Tech reads the room here. That Letty clearly didn't read the room, as we find out <laughs> later on, um, where she gives her these pages are evil. They're coming to corrupt us. You know, like <laughs> a little of this. You know, like she's like maybe this is the too far bit. Uh, but yeah, Tech reads between the lines and reads that you know he's killed her, disposed of the body, and burned the pages again. <laughs> Like yeah. probably in another one of those kind of drunken 9, 9 p.m. binge kind of slavering on yourself, half teary-eyed, uh, in a bucket burning sessions. And then Tick just unloads. I mean, like, like I've seen some beatdowns in a TV show before, Bo, but nothing as kind of vicious as this. So much so that Letty has to call on people staying at the halfway house. Yeah, to getting neighbours. Yeah, because she is convinced, and to be honest, I was with Letty on this one, that, you know, Tick is just going to straight up murder Montrose. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And of course, he storms off. Montrose is left in a, I mean, we don't get to see the full effect until later on. Uh, but I love this detail. So Letty goes downstairs and ticks in the 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 dark room, uh, basically raking through all Letty's pictures. And as she comes down, he grabs her and basically screams at her, like, "Please, do you tell me that you took photos of the pages? Tell me you took photos of the pages." And she's like, you know, you need to get like, you need to calm down. Like, he's like, tell you, screaming at her. And then he looks down, stops, composes himself, and goes up the stairs. And I'm like, huh. And then the camera pans out, and Letty came down with a baseball bat. The baseball bat. Yes. You know, like <laughs> old granddad, we call it. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. It is. Terrified. Right. And, and they address that later, but it is a great moment where she's just like, I don't even know who this person is mm. and, and that for all, you know, ticks talk about what an asshole, uh, Montrose was when he was growing up, like that anger did not skip a generation. No, acorn does not fall far from this particular tree. Yeah. So we've got that business happening with, with Montrose and Atticus, but let's go back to Ruby for a second, Duncan, <laughs> where she is in bed Yep. In a nice bed, too, just really laid out. William uh, emerges from a uh, from the bathroom. Yep. And he kind of lets it go that he's like, well, there was this metamorphosis spell <laughs> that I took to Hiram Epstein, who was busy making magical doors all kinds of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we get that detail of what was going on under the house. Yeah. Meanwhile, while he's doing all this, he's picking out the perfect neckerchief to go with his ensemble outfit. <laughs> By the way, he picked well. This guy, like William, regardless of what you want to say about William dresses, like I wish I could dress and not be called dickhead. Like yeah. <laughs> He dresses in what I like to call like island business. It's a lot of white <laughs> linen and Ascots. It's just like it's, it's like he like it's a kind of paisley neckerchief to go with this like pl- kind of rich plum suit. And I'm just like this guy is a sharp dresser. But while he's talking about this, he's specifically talking about metamorphosis, butterflies, cocoons emerging. And what we find is, yeah, he's created a potion, a spell of sorts, a transformo to- juice. Yeah, transformer juice. Oh, I like that. That's that's what we're going to call it. He created some transformer juice um, for Ruby to take, which will make her, you know, white essentially. But they're very much like Cinderella's pumpkin. There's a time, you know, where this will run out, and you know, of course, Ruby is like at first she's she's like terrified by this right. specifically because because he asked her it says you know like the first transformation will be so and she's like no it wasn't pain it was beyond that. Um, she says and, it was like being remade. Yeah, which I love that as yeah. I like it, just something that you can't quite imagine, but you know it's him sore. Um, and ultimately, he's like, you know. Well, she says she's always interrupted. She says, like, every time I think I'm going to be the person I was born to be, I get interrupted yeah. by someone. And she and said they, this back in the bar, like, I, I want to be, uh, I, I, I'm curious what the uninterrupted version of me would be like. And this is what William wants. Yeah. <laughs> so William wants to see that as well. And trust me, you really want to see that. And this show gives you it at the end. And it's oh. then you fucking want even more. Like, honestly, once again, this show just leveling up. It's like teasing something and it gives you it. Uh, but like he leaves a big water cache on the nightstand. He leaves a vial of the, the transformer juice. Mm. Um, 
there and she's like you know my, you know am i your prisoner now? and he's like listen you're free to do whatever you want you live the life you want to live everything is cool i'm just gonna leave these things here though and he walks out and of course temptation waves over letty and then <laughs> well almost have like a you, you ever seen the movie bruce almighty yeah 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 <laughs> see when he's like just walking outside he's like i got Right. Well, let's have her version of that as a white woman, um, where she gets to live the life that she is kind of coveted uh, in a lot of respects, in that she walks into an ice cream parlor and she gets a free cone. Mm-hmm. As you do, she can sit in the park and read the newspaper book. And what I like about this newspaper ad in particular is that it's. Uh, I, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's it, it's a white actress featured prominently yeah. staring back at her. And it's like, well, this is the first time she looks at a newspaper and sees herself portrayed positive, like what she looks like right now. Yes. Portrayed positively back at her. Mm-hmm. And and this is all done. Uh, also worth noting to Intuzage uh, Shange's for colored girls who have attempted suicide slash when the rainbow is enough, mm-hmm. which was a po- a choreo poem, a poem set to dance. Yes, and um, it is it, it's really good. It's all about like you know these are th- like all the things that uh, you take for granted in your perception of who you are, kind of thing. And uh, and and uh, you know Ruby understanding in a way that she never could before what the world would be like if she didn't have black skin. Yeah, and it's it, it's really good. Like the the uh, as always, the use of the the words with the visuals is is I just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the again the performance is fantastic in in both regards. Both uh, Wumi and Mosaku's. Um, performance and what is the name of the actress who played because <laughs> she's brilliant as well <laughs> yeah i want to i want to give credit where credit is due yeah who is mrs davenport can we she find is, out who the- jamie newman is her name she's really good she yeah she's fantastic and so she um yeah so cut away from that to letty bringing tick this role of the undeveloped film yeah with, with the pain. he's pouring like iodine on his his knuckles his very bruised bloodied knuckles yeah and and she's like hey i did take pictures of the pages i haven't developed them yet but also you scared the shit out of me earlier yeah if i I hadn't called those people in would you have killed your dad and he says that he's visualized it so many times as a kid being beaten by his dad that you know but he didn't think he had it in him he didn't think he had that violence in him, but filmed it in the war, which I like that as a line. Yeah. And and then he says, like, I don't want you to ever be scared of me. And then Return to Love by Black Atlas plays, Duncan. <laughs> and once more, <laughs> Lovecraft Country takes the advice of, of this podcast, and it gets down to some quality fucking. And this is fucking primo quality fucking. It's maybe the best sex scene. We've had a couple out of these two so far and this is far and away the best like this is when they're both like this isn't the first time it's not hesitant it's not makeup sex it's just like we are we are both under some stress let's get down to some fucking yeah we we know each other's rhythm now let's do it yeah Uh, yeah it is it is uh it is everything i wanted it to be in screen and more yes uh so 
Oh, man. Like, this show is not desperately horny or anything. Uh, speaking <laughs> of True Blood, that was a show that was just like... It's all, all sex. Yeah. All <laughs> Don't even worry about watching with your pants on. Um, <laughs> the, this one is more like, yeah, every now and again, are you know, these people are... Are, are again they're under stress that like they, this is a high pressure situation they're they're mm. falling in love every now and again they just do some fucking and i am yeah. always here for it yes you can only ever think clear when you get it out bull get it out so speaking of getting it out uh ruby is in the tub and mm-hmm. william is just there kind of just watching yep and doing a little bit of washing here and there and uh, she's he like, passed his comment about the fact that she didn't take the money, which he's curious about because he left a sizable stack of cash there, bro. Yeah, well, she says, I I used the only currency I needed, which was my whiteness. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, he's like, look, I'm going to need a favor from you at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that day may never come. <laughs> And she's like, uh-huh, I knew it was going to be something. And she and, and, and William is like, no, 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 it's not that big a deal. Like, when, when the time comes, I'll ask you, but it's not it's not anything crazy. Yeah. It's um, a fever for my sister. That, right. And in the meantime, you can come and go in whatever skin you want to. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a little bit more of this, like, you know, her being interrupted and so forth. And so then we, we cut to her as Hillary Davenport, mm-hmm. uh, who is Which the, is like the, the whitest of white names ever. <laughs> yeah. Like Hillary Von sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary Von yacht club. Yeah. Uh, at your service. Enchanté. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Um, and, and so she goes at the interview at the department store and the, the guy, you know, interviewer is like, Oh my God, you were incredibly qualified. Like, look at all these classes that you took and stuff, which was all true. Like that's all shit. Ruby did. Yeah, which is what she's done. This is what she's like when, when Letty come back and Letty's been fucking around the country, traveling up and down. Like, Ruby's been doubling. She ain't just like the line on her music. She's been doubling down. She has been schooling up here. And she knows she's qualified for that fucking job. And so much so that this this manager guy basically says, you know, like, you, you're almost, you could be my boss. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, mm hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this is the point. This is the fucking point. And, um,. You know, of course, he's he's smitten by her, but we'll get more in his character later on. Fucking creep. Yeah. Um, he, he does feel her out about, like, how do you feel about working with, you know, colored people? Yeah. And she's like, well, you know, I guess as long as they pull their weight. Uh, hang on a second. My jaw seems to be unhinging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's, she says, as long as they've got the qualifications and the experience, then what does it matter? And he's right. like, well, quite a lot of staff left as soon as we implemented the you know uh, non-whites uh you know uh, policy here uh, for for recruitment so you know some of the staff actually left and just checking if you're okay with that and she's like i'm fine he's like well you know what you're gonna be the assistant manager and she's like that's great and then she's doing that her face starts to warp a little bit and he's like come here and give me a hug and let's let's get a cup of tea and we'll take a tour and then she's like oh i gotta i gotta poop <laughs> I gotta take a shit. <laughs> she's like, she's fucking, she's pretty dog in it. She's like, 
<laughs> You'll have to excuse me for a moment. I made a brown in my panties. Yes. I've got a wicked shit brewing. Um, like, and then, <laughs> mean some bitch coming out. Um, she fucking tears And he's like trying to walk out. She's like, can sprints down and gets into like an elevator and of course her skin starts coming off in chunks um which you know like i kind of enjoy because that's the metamorphosis side of it it's not like it's <laughs> i kind of love how painful this is right like to look at like this transformation isn't just like some harry potter shit where their skin bubbles a little bit and then all of a sudden there's someone else in the case of this one you literally shed your skin but it's like chunks come off and this but the bottom line is here she's finally got the job that she always wanted she's more than qualified for the position but she would never have been entertained once again exactly like ruby has been saying all along had she not been white right and and so you know after she escapes falling apart and leaving behind a vial of transformo juice in the office that the <laughs> uh, the manager thinks is perfume Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she, she takes off, uh, having, you know, succeeded in her mission. Uh, we cut over to Montrose. Yeah. Who shows up at Sammy's, the bartenders. Yeah. We finally get to see how bad Montrose faces and he's got what I believe we call it a shiner. And a pretty substantial one. Like he's got a cut of, like he got beat up pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> take take give me good. Yeah, somebody delivered two, three real solid punches to the left side of his head, and yep. it and it has done blown up on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Frank Ocean's bad religion plays. Yep, and once again taking the advice of this show, Duncan <laughs> Montrose and Sammy get down to some fucking. Oh, and it is it is some I... straight up. I'm gonna spit my hand, lube up my dick, and it is going you in. Literally you. just like a big old spit in that hand, and then you see the hand movement of someone rubbing it. Yeah, <laughs> like, and he got he powers in, and uh, Sammy is loving it, and you know Montrose is in the zone until he finishes, and then he's maybe a bit reluctant to get too intimate. Well, he he's a pretty woman, Duncan. He doesn't want yes. to kiss. He only yes. you know, like he'll do the sex, but kissing is too personal. And <laughs> Sammy snaps the jewel case on his fingers. Oh, um, oh, you got me! What a delightful moment we are sharing. Yeah, <laughs> send the fucking rella. Um, so like, <laughs> but he won't kiss him. But he immediately goes downtown and blows him. Yeah. So it's like, well, it's not totally unaffectionate, you know. Yeah, like, I, I think, yeah, as as the, I think as Montrose compartmentalizing his sexuality, right? That, he sees yes. these sex acts without being love acts, and I think he considers love acts the act of kissing, which I get to an extent. I, I see, yeah. I see his weird logic in this one, and to be honest, Sammy seems okay with it. Yeah, you know I mean, he understands it takes time. Yes, he, right, and. I mean, we'll get into it. There, there is a moment of of sort of release in this episode that that's really great with Montrose. So, uh, yeah, but like we've said before, now if you contextualize this as to the way Montrose acts, like essentially a, a like a closet repressed homosexual, right? In, in this a is culture, where the rage comes from. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's got that on top of the fact that he's black, right? He, I mean, he can't possibly be who he really is. Yeah. 
and and right like it has led to all the, it under it it makes you understand that if there was this affair between George and uh in Montrose's wife I can't remember what was her name now? Uh, you know, it, yeah, it'll come to me later. First episode. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably why there was an affair there. Um, it's probably why there's that. Uh, and probably why Montrose isn't that upset about it. At yeah, the end also of the day. probably why Montrose isn't the dad either. Right. Well, I mean, right. Like, like they, like their relationship would have always been living under the shadow of his unhappiness. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, yeah. So it's why it's most likely why he drinks too much. Most likely why he beats kid. Um, and it, it starts to explain. Doesn't justify in any way, shape, or form. You know, spousal or you know, parent on child abuse in any way, shape, or form. Uh, domestic violence. You know, but it contextualizes it in a way where I can now start to see a little bit of where Montrose is coming from. Sure. Um, yeah. And it- yeah. It's, it's an is a is a, a, a once again a great scene, and I love the fact that they just put this on the screen. Once again, HBO does not give a fuck in the best possible fucking way. I can't think of any sex scene I've ever seen which is a homosexual scene or just like a heterosexual scene where one character is just spat in their hand and rubbed it on their cock. <laughs> um, and I think there's something very refreshing about that. <laughs> Not since uh, uh, what was the French uh, lake movie, the murder mystery? Oh, Stranger by the Lake. Stranger by the Lake. Yeah. Not since that has it been like, oh, we're just okay. Yeah. This is just movie, this is just gay sex. Has a man ejaculate on camera? Yeah. Right. So, um, just saying, if you want to see that Stranger by the Lake, which incidentally is a fucking great movie, it's, so go watch it anyway. Tr- yeah, true, truly a great film, and yeah, but you're right. I think in. Although someone should have put the show, I was I've been thinking about this recently because we did it for Andy Loves Art House. Um, that I did think that the ultimate tagline for for that movie should be finally putting the cock in Hitchcock. Yeah, that's pretty good. I know it's a Hitchcockian thriller, but cock in the capitals. Dario and into. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway after after the fucking and blow job of the previous scene where you're just like well not only is is mantras gay <laughs> you know i'm a considerate lover i'm not gonna leave him hanging mister he's, he's pitching and catching yeah done more and of that on screen, folks. More of that on screen. Yeah, goddamn considerate. And then we cut to work where Hillary Davenport is being warmly greeted by her manager. Uh, and as as she's looking over the floor, assistant managing and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, she sees that some customers are complaining that uh, nobody is helping them at Tamara's counter. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so she goes to talk to Tamara and discovers that not only did Tamara not take all these <laughs> classes, she only has a seventh grade education. And Ruby the whole time is just like, mm hmm. And what else? And she's like, yeah. And then not only did I not graduate eighth grade, uh, I never learned to read. Yeah. Uh, I can't count. Yeah. She, she uh, didn't know that any of these classes or anything even existed. And. 
once again, like Ruby held off. <laughs> right. Ruby, like deliberately, she she went through the fucking training. She she fucking upgraded herself to like we can build her bigger, stronger, faster. Like she went through all that hard work. She she is Steve Austin, right? To get that job, and ultimately on a whim because there's a policy change and they have to have a token black in the shop now, uh, they just hired her. Yeah. So it's like, I went through all this for naught. Right. It was whoever happened to come in the day that this policy got handed out. Yeah. Or, you know, the most recent applicant after that. And mm-hmm. yeah, right. Yeah. And so Ruby, Ruby is doing all she can not to just unload on Tamara, <laughs> where she's yeah. like, you, f- are you kidding me? Like, mm-hmm. you can see it like bubbling there and she's just like mm, well all right just you know as long as you can keep up with everybody else and then you can see that she's starting to understand that she can use her whiteness as a bit of a weapon yes and 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 is starting to enjoy that superiority a little bit mm-hmm. and then hands her some lotion and is like use this your hands are ashy and then yeah. leaves <laughs> it's it's a real fuck you and so then later she is uh, in the the back room with some of the other the other girls um who are tempting her into trying on some naughty stilettos as they put it instead of going back to work and they're saying that they want to go to uh the south side the way they put it is they're going on a safari which is easily the most racist way you can put that uh and 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 because they see Ruby dance and they're like, oh, you've got the hips like a, you know, a black girl mm-hmm. and uh, we want to go to the south side. And she's like, I don't know that you want to do that. Like, that's not, you know, like even though Ruby is enjoying her whiteness, she isn't completely not Ruby here where yeah. she's just like, just don't don't do this shit. How about yeah, that? Stay, stay in your lane. Right. Right, like, well, you're all you're going to do is uh, potentially go down there and cause trouble for totally innocent black folk. Yeah, because the police, guess what? When the police arrive, they're you know they're not going to be looking after the black people. They're going to be looking after you. And right, thinking the worst of the situation. Right, have you read To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah, <laughs> because that's what we're setting up here. So, like, the next thing you know, you're going to be asking somebody to bust up your shiver robe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, anyway, they're out there following the uh, Ruby outside as Hillary Davenport and they're, as they're debating their, their trip downtown. And then William shows up, uh, to pick, uh, Hillary up after work and all the girls are real, like a man about <laughs> William. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, when William kind of, you know, kisses her cheek and is like, Hey, uh, it's time for you to take care of that favor. I need, I've got, I need you to lay off the transformo juice for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And also I've got a gift box in the back seat for you. Uh, yeah, you have to, yeah, I want you to go to this party and she's like, all right, you're partying. I've got a gift box, which looks like a nice new dress bow and she opens it and it's a, it, yeah, it's a servant's uniform. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, all right. And then it cut to her immediately handing out food on trays in the most fuck you possible way where she's like, <laughs> just like, it looks like the tray could slip out of her hand and she just wouldn't give a fuck. <laughs> it's great, and it, man. And she's walking around and the police officers that we know from earlier on, the, you know, the, this is our lodge. Um, they're there. 
uh, and she's walking around. Um, Extina's there, and she kind of gives her the signal to come across and speak. And it's time to finally find out what the price of the Transformer juice is, Bo. What is that price? Yeah, and I think it's totally reasonable. Of, yes. Like, I, I was thinking, that's it? <laughs> right. And it was like, oh, okay. I mean, you're right. You need someone for this role. Yeah. And that's why I think they're, like, uh, debating or, or competing ulterior motives. Because I think one ulterior motive is, yes, we need Ruby to perform this service. Yes. There's a deeper one, though, that's more like Ruby might be the kind of person that can really enjoy this. And also the kind of person that can get me a relationship to Letty and that yeah. group. Yeah. And what we want, well, we want that because Ori. Right. But I Ori. also. I'm not so cynical, I think, or maybe because I kind of want this to be true, is that there there truly is a genuine uh, like appreciation for Ruby. Yeah, I think I I think you don't go through this and treat Ruby the way you have treated her in here if you don't have that. I think respect first and foremost. I think that's why we, when she finally cuts loose in this episode. It does not that doesn't feel all that far removed. It may be a slightly more vulgar version of doing business like Extina would do, but there's a payoff here that feels very much in her real house, if you know what I mean. Yes, yes. And and all right, so we'll get to all this in a second. So um yeah, but Extina is <laughs> very much the <laughs> Kevin Spacey to um, Ruby's uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt. She's like, become wrath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, but so Xena is like, so I need you to put this rock in Lancaster's office. Which has a symbol on it. Right. It's just a little glyph that, uh, that he she's going to hide in there. And Ruby's like, what? You want me to put a rock in his desk? And why the fuck would I do this for you? Why why would I do this for you in any capacity? Mm-hmm. Like whatever my relationship is with William. Yeah. Why am and, I helping you? And why am I fucking with the police? Right. <laughs> and then Exina is like, well, you if you like William at all, you should know that Lancaster totally tried to shoot him in the back mm-hmm. and dump him in the river like a bunch of trash. And also uh, he's trying to take William's place as the rightful heir to this lodge. And now that is a whole other story. But what you need to know is he's a big meanie poo poo. Yeah. And she also asks as well what our interest in William is. Right. Kind of giving him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is it just purely to get this potion or do you actually have feelings for him? <laughs> so in a roundabout way, she's kind of doing the like passing the note of like, so like if William weren't totally honest with you, would you still like him? <laughs> if William was harboring a big secret. <laughs> right. Not a tree secret, but a different kind of secret. <laughs> no, kind a of, tree secret. <laughs> a kind of a reverse tree. Um, <laughs> so, so and, and in fairness ruby's like all right yeah i'll do it because because she does seem to have 
some kind of relationship with William that that is affectionate that like she <laughs> likes William yeah whether it's yeah. the fucking or whether it's that she, I guess the way he treats her yeah it, like she he treats her like a human being and that's and and she's been open with him about it mm-hmm. like this yeah. is somebody that she can have this conversation with who isn't uh, you know somebody from the south side that's gonna be like I know. You know, yeah. and and so to you know having this conversation with William is a, a different perspective. Blah blah blah. So we cut over to Letty, who's developing you know pictures of the pages, uh, which maybe writing my notes, picture pages, picture pages. <laughs> so I, I'm a child, and then Atticus is asleep and is having this dream of of Hannah and the fire Hannah his ancestor his yeah. great 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 grandmother i think is who she is yeah he's reliving the scene that we had at the end of the first episode the end right. of the second episode sorry yeah and while she's holding the book and he can't make out what she's saying he catches fire and then wakes up yeah and he's just like oh fuck that was terrible and uh letty is like kind of checking on his progress with uh, the translation stuff. And he's like, I, you know, I've got a bunch of these letters translated, but I also don't know how the language is structured. If, if, if it's really a one-to-one kind of thing um, or, or not. And Lenny's like, man, it really is a shame that Yahima left like that. <laughs> yeah, and he, it's really, really, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big shame that Montrose set her, to, set her away to live with that family on that farm. <laughs> right. You know, gave her a chance to run free like she always wanted to, but <laughs> boy, it is a bummer she's not around anymore. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when he said that he took care of her, I really thought that was nice. And then Atticus is like, no, like, he took care of her, took care of her. And, um, Lady's reaction is the right reaction here. Where she's just like, are you fucking kidding me? And she's, and she's like, this is de- the devil's work. Everyone's being corrupted. This book is evil. Let's burn this motherfucker down. Yeah. Of J- right. I mean, it is just like grabbing up the papers. Like everyone who touches this shit becomes a monster. Mm. And, and so you need to put this down. Like we need yeah. to stop this. Uh, they're the devil's tools, she says, which is fucking great. These are the devil's tools. Um, oh, it's so good. And, and so, uh, Tick is, you know, forced to deal with more of this. Yeah, but he's, he comes away with the line, and it's the old adage that we know, you know, as, as, you know but if I wield it, I'll use it for good. Right. I, I won't be corrupted. I'm doing this for all the right reasons. And yeah. and Letty kind of throws it back in his face like that's, that is that is why your father is doing all this. He's doing all yep. this for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, path to hell paved with good intentions, Duncan. Yes, sir. Um, so <laughs> anyway, while that's happening, like oh, oh, as cool as all that, like that main storyline is so uh, it, it's really good. And in mm-hmm. any other episode, it would be the coolest shit of the episode. <laughs> but what's going on with Ruby is so much better because oh, yeah. of everything. This so, is Ruby's episode. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's oh. easily the best stuff. So she sneaks into Lancaster's office puts the rock in his drawer and then she hears some people coming uh, or, or she hears somebody knocking from inside a closet and she kind of like looks over to investigate and then some people start coming in. So she just beelines for the closet where there is a dude uh, tied and gagged in the closet. 
Yeah, I, th- I think from the conversation, we're led to believe that this guy is dead, but has been reanimated back to what? give a secret. Is that right? Yes, because what? Yeah, what happens is like he starts. He the the guy in the closet starts. You know, and uh, Ruby is like, "Fuck, you're gonna get us caught." Guy in the closet, and <laughs> and then Lancaster. Uh, hears it, and then one of the guys says, uh, oh, sounds like somebody's uh, ready to talk. And Lancaster is the one who says, oh, the dead talk, they always do. So, like- <laughs> yes. So, 100%, she is in a closet with a reanimated corpse that they have brought back, because it's something about a criminal that they are questioning for the yeah. location of some loot. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is why they they brought him back to give the location of some presumably ill gotten gains. Yeah, and I bet then again, man. I mean, if you're practicing dark magic and a criminal dies without having told anyone where he stashed his money, oh no, they have no rights at that point. You can go raw on them. You can go fucking medieval, right? You you just you know bewitch this thing and dinka dinka do this guy right back to life. Yeah, bring in a couple of phone books. You know what I mean, <laughs> right? You know, you're Tom Hanks and uh, Dragnet again. Oh, it's <laughs> me, this cup of coffee, this desk, and your balls. <laughs> and anyway, but yeah, they finally leave, and Ruby gets out. I, I suppose, but yeah, it, it, necromancy is afoot, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that I love to say about any television show where it's like, oh, there's an oblique reference to necromancy. Yeah, which now knowing how this show plays out, we're going to revisit this. (laughs) Man, if it becomes, if there is an episode that's a gangster zombie episode. Oh, yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Give it to me. (laughs) Uh, But they could, like this show is is so uh, agile. if they, if they if they have a scene of zombies like attacking their masters to the theme song of you know like to it's gonna give it to you I will be fucking oh are you kidding me they need to do it they need to do it do like do kind of that last scene of Sugar Hill only with oh, X yeah. gonna give it to you yeah, yeah. all right Everything why are we not gold. we should be <laughs> working for uh, I mean they're already stealing our ideas but we should be consultants executive producers on the show. Right. Remember when we were like, hey, what if that first dream that Atticus has is kind of the whole series? Yeah. Remember when we said that, Duncan, and we're so smart? We're so smart. (laughs) I still. Oh, my goodness. We anyway, we'll get into it. Um, So then we cut away from that to Ruby as Hillary Davenport lecturing Tamara on heel selection for a display. Just really give it. No, no, no. You can't use these colored heels in a monochromatic display. You stupid bitch. <laughs> and, and Tamara's just, Oh, I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. <laughs> great light. No, she's like, no, I just like, like, these white, these, these crackers are crazy, right? <laughs> you yeah. understand. They're all for dead bodies. Tongues ripped out. <laughs> yes. Stuck in a cupboard. <laughs> right. Where she's like, you got to wear twice as hard to get half as far with these fucking crazy people. And, and that's where her boss is like, is everything okay, Hillary? And she's like, Oh no, I totally wasn't empathizing with our black help um she says we're, we're going to go on a trip to the south side right you were just uh, Tamara was just promising to take us to the south side later weren't you Tamara? and she's like uh yeah what was that about the tongues being ripped out of their skulls and trapped in cupboards so then we cut away 
for let, let's just go ahead and take care of the rest of uh of montrose yeah because yeah. there's a, a scene where montrose ends up being either backstage or at an apartment prior to a drag show yeah and i'm not sure exactly which it is if it's like hey we're gonna get all dressed up and then we're going to the drag show or if this is part of the same building or whatever it doesn't matter um where sammy is kind of in drag is doing the you know this thing where he's like oh i call this the cicada dance and in honor of the news and so forth Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the drag queens and gay men of the south side of chicago are gay black men and 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 in the scene somebody kind of points out like oh sammy and montrose have never kissed and he's like that's none of your business mister i'll just stand here quiet and creepy watching all of you and so then later they go to the drag club where Sammy is performing and, um, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever been to a drag review, Duncan. I have not. No, uh, I uh, dated a girl who knew some people in the scene and so forth. And, and they're super fun shows, you know, it's uh, guys in drag lip syncing to music and dancing around and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of seems to be what this is. And, uh, at the end of it though, uh, Sammy's trying to get Montrose to dance and then Montrose is starts looking around the room and it's just like, well, there's nobody here to judge me. Like all these, all the people in this room are me, mm-hmm. you know? And so he starts to dance with Sammy a little bit. And then he kind of, you know, dances with another guy kind of gets, you know, swung to a different partner. Yeah. And, and dances himself go. Yeah. Like he's, He's ends up being like carried on people's shoulders as he's finally dancing and letting loose for the first time and then finds Sammy and for the first time kisses him. Mm-hmm. And it's this really like it is going to be really interesting to follow this character moving forward. Yeah. To see if this maybe opens him up to not being just this angry like angry stubborn character all the time that there's going to be this part of him that's like oh yes he is this to his son but to sammy he's this other person Mm -hmm. kind of thing but i i thought it was great i thought it was a really like in a in a in an episode that is so much about ruby and her journey and things like that like it was a really nice moment for montrose and i thought it was a really like strangely sweet moment for the show yeah i totally agree totally agree all right so uh, and unfortunately, though, no spitting in hands and just fucking going to town. <laughs> it's just dancing and kissing and stuff. And it's like, ah, that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, like we've seen Everest. <laughs> seen Everest. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> oh. let's catch up with Ruby real quick, who is mm-hmm. with the girls at, at this bar on the south side, and they're all whited, or she's all whited up, and, and you know, it it's one of these things where they're like, oh, Tamara, teach me how to dance, and uh, some of the girls from the I department... I believe we call this appropriation, both. <laughs> yes, it, it is that, and... Without any recognition recognition for how dangerous the situation yeah. they they are creating. Not for mm-hmm. them, but for everyone around them. Mm-hmm. And and Ruby is seeing this as like some of the girls start dancing with the black guys in the club and things like that. And it's just like, fuck, one thing goes wrong 
and yeah. one of these guys is beating her dead. You know, yeah, at so the end th- of the this night. Is a, this is a powder keg situation where any small spark is potential catastrophe. Yeah, so Ruby ends up going outside where she overhears the manager with Tamara. Mm-hmm. And she ends up kind of tossing out her transformo juice at this point where she's like, I just I, I don't want to deal with this. And then as she kind of is transforming, she watches through a fence as her manager ends up getting fresh with Tamara a little bit. Yeah. And she smacks him and runs off. And as she does, he throws a racial slur after her and calls her a bitch as well. And it's. You know, this is one of those things that's uncomfortable to talk about on this show where it's like this comes back later. He calls her an inward bitch. Yeah. And then uh, Ruby shows up uh, all naked and goopy on William's couch. Mm-hmm. And Extina comes out of the basement and it's just like, oh, my God, I didn't even expect you to be here. <laughs> and Ruby is like, what's in that basement? Everything else in this house is opened up. What's down in that fucking basement? And and then uh, Exina and Ruby have a talk about like, you know, Exina is like, I think you kind of misunderstood what's being offered to you by William. You seem to think that it's just like Transformo juice or something. And Ruby's like, yeah, so what is it? And Exina says, no, what he's offering you is the ability to do whatever the fuck you want. Yep. And 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 she says, like, you know, this is what you're being offered. You're being an offered. And, and Xena actually asks her, like, who are you if you're not interrupted? Yeah. And, and Ruby is like, oh, did William tell you about that? And she's like, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. That's totally what happened. William and I talk all the time. Well, I don't even all know why you're time. asking about this. <laughs> Some people say it's almost like we're the same person. <laughs> we think so much alike. Yeah. So, but that's kind of the interesting thing, right? Is like, okay, now that now that Ruby has fulfilled her part of their bargain. Yeah. Is she can- just an apprentice yeah I, yeah i don't know I, I i i really it's like there's a, a weird experiment going on yeah and they, they want to see what will happen um and yeah she unlocks her full potential here she levels up um the best <laughs> the best possible fucking way i've ever seen in a tv show For, well right because exceda basically says like hey you've got magic at your back now Mm -hmm. So you are head and shoulders like where you were playing equal with whites with the Transformo juice. You are now 100 percent superior to whites or blacks. Yeah, because you got magic. Mm -hmm. And so and that's the what you can do, whatever the fuck you want. You don't have to fit into white society. You fucking do whatever the fuck you want. And so what she wants to do, Duncan. (laughs) Oh, yes. And what I wanted her to do, well, what I didn't realize I wanted her to do until I saw it, and then I totally realized that's what I wanted her to do, <laughs> is she she pleasantly resigns her post, um, uh-huh. uh, takes up a new job as a, help, a self-help guru, uh-huh. uh, and releases a series of books and a national tour, which helps many people come together and unlock their true potential. It's a oh, heartwarming story. That's the director's cut, Duncan. What happened in the one they, <laughs> they released? Um, that's good, though. It, but what happened in this one? Yeah. She fucks a man with a shoe <laughs> yeah. I'm, 
I don't even know that I would use the word fuck. Well, um, it starts off as that, but then it just becomes a gouging. Yeah. Um, Wait, so, God damn it, this is so good. So she tells this manager, she's like, I've got to turn in my notice because I can't work for you anymore because of how much I want to fuck you. Yeah. And he's like, I totally am on board. Let's do this. <laughs> he's like, I, I, I completely understand. I've seen me. Yeah. So she sits down makes him kind of crawl to her yeah takes off her underwear shoves it in his mouth yeah <laughs> loops his takes off his belt loops his own belt around his neck to leash him with it mm-hmm. then gets him on the ground <laughs> and takes down his pants mm-hmm Takes off one of those naughty stilettos of hers. So naughty, boy. So naughty. And starts... I guess you would say the first couple might have the been... First, yeah, the first ones are... The first couple penetrate the ring, boy. Yes. <laughs> the one ring. It starts fucking him with the heel of this stiletto. Which he doesn't seem like he's enjoying, boy. No. It, it does not seem like things are going well. Yeah. And uh, then... Uh, she starts transforming mm-hmm. as she's just assaulting his anus with his shoe. <laughs> and as she kind of sloughs off this, uh, you know, the Hillary Davenport skin yeah, and, and becomes like a, a very naked and very gooey Ruby on mm-hmm. top of this guy. She tells him, I want you to know that an inward bitch did this to you. Yeah. And I stood up and applauded the TV for a solid five minutes. It's almost like Kim Jong-un had finished a speech. That's how long I applauded for. Like, I actually was terrified not to applaud. So I kept going until I felt that it was appropriate to stop. And (laughs) so, and then she just puts on a coat, like an overcoat, and is like, I'm out of here. Um, you know, when they find you later, cause she's like tied his hands with like, somebody is going to yeah. walk in I and see shot Dennis. Yeah. Right. Find him bound with a, a heel in his ass <laughs> and he's going to be forced to explain this. Yeah. So I'm explaining to do. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So Ruby strolls out of there. And then when William shows up, she is sitting on the couch again, once again, asking the fuck is going on in the basement. Yep. And William's like, uh, this is really not a great time. I will get back to you in a few minutes, but let me uh, do some shit. And, he, and she's like, no, 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 no. I want to know what's in the basement. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, oh, God. And then <laughs> I got to poop. <laughs> and then just kind of bids over and then, you know, <laughs> off comes the skin. Yep. And it has been Extina the whole time. Which is one of my favorite reveals in TV thus far right and ruby and ruby even says it was you the whole time (laughs) yeah (laughs) and mimicking me yeah and because then you're like oh right like when she beat up the dude like she went inside changed came out and beat up the cops like all that stuff like she has been playing this perfectly yeah also she turned into a man and gave ruby a good fucking yeah yeah which Again, I have so many questions, but I want this relationship to continue. I don't <laughs> so care. Questions. I like, but I do, like. I want to know: Do they really like each other? Is this going to be a real relationship? Is this going to be? I hope so. I hope so. I like. I want Ruby to be 
Extina's like lesbian apprentice in a way that I don't think I've ever wanted anything on a show and not in an exploitative way. Like I don't want it to get like hardcore or nothing. I just love the idea of Ruby being like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm playing by no rules. Yeah. Plus she's got the right sister for this. You know, I don't think Letty's corruptible like this. Um, And I say corruptible. I mean, she's done. Ruby's done the right thing. Like, (laughs) <laughs> from our position morally yes. she's probably not done the right thing uh, <laughs> right. But, like, you know what I mean um, but I think that's what Extina's looking for like in terms of her whole credo on like we were saying this idea like weird kind of skewed view of feminism through the, the, the lens of just take power through magic um, you know I think Ruby's far more on board with that so yeah I'm with you this is a this is a duel that needs to continue doing things in this show together because it's fucking great yeah um, and yeah like keep the William character coming back because I like that character um, but yeah now that we know it's 16 like a lot a lot of this is starting to make sense right plus like there's crazy shit that can happen like Christina could show up at Letty's as Ruby yep and like this could get real squirrely in a way that I, I really like um, yeah plus and, and once again it all makes sense it, like Exina can't take over the lodge however William can so, right and it's the rightful heir like should yeah. be the, the leader of the lodge so if she can if she can keep up the ruse that William is alive and running the lodge yep and then and then she could even get Ruby on occasion to be her Yep. To prove, like, oh, no, they can be together at the same... Oh, Duncan, you and I would be so good at magic. (laughs) So, so anyway, there's one other scene in this episode we need to talk about, which is uh, the very last scene where Tick is translating something uh, from the pages uh, that Letty photographed, and... It shakes him up, right? He's like, oh, my God. He he, he starts crying. He calls Gia, uh, who we have... We have referenced and and seen very briefly in episode two or a phantom of her. Yeah. And she says that uh, he should have listened to her. Yeah. And then he asks her, what are you? And then she hangs up on him. Mm -hmm. And then the camera moves over to a single word in the translation he was working on. Mm -hmm. And the word Duncan is die. Yep. And there endeth episode five. One presumes about the midpoint of the season. I have no clue how many episodes are in this. I mean, make it a million. I don't care. Yeah, this show, like, never have I been so, like, like made to many seasons of a TV show um, as I am, like, five episodes in this. Uh, to be honest, I was like that three episodes. I was, no, that one minute into this show's first episode. And I was like, yeah, the whole season. Uh, and then another one and another one. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, 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 I mean, HBO can be weird sometimes it can be anywhere from 8 to 13 so yeah and i mean i i'm continually amazed like i would have said okay season uh, the the high water mark of season one is probably going to be episode three episode yeah. three was so fucking good yeah that if, if the rest of the season is only half as good as that i'm still happy I think I liked episode five more than I liked episode three. Episode five is my favorite episode thus far. Right. And and it's crazy to be watching a show where my favorite episode is the last one I saw. 
Yeah, and I think the the beauty of this show, like we, we've kind of touched on in, in our review thus far, is I think this show has probably already set up about three or four things that might not happen for another two episodes, and we might not be aware that they're going to happen. Yet, whilst constantly paying off every single thing it sets up in previous episodes that we didn't know were things that were being set up. So... Yeah, I mean, and we've got so many divergent stories and none of them feel like, Ugh. right, we've got to spend time with these characters. Like, yeah, I really yeah. want to find out what happens with Hippolyta. I, mm-hmm. I you know, can't wait to find out what happens with Montrose. The tech side of things uh, with the, the kind of link back to, you know, as time in the war, can't wait to find out what's going to go on with that. You know, the Ruby scenario, Letty, you know, like we've got so many plates spinning and all of them require equal attention and all of them will get equal attention that, you know, I, I, the, the, this show is providing a masterclass uh, and how to just deliver really sad. And, and the thing about it is, we could go off piste in the next episode and spend the whole one back at Ardham, the ruins of Ardham, with Hippolyta, uh, with small you know callbacks to other characters and whatnot, and I would be a hundred percent happy with that. Like, and then you know if we we go further down the line and we spend more time with Tech kind of delving into his past, um, I'm a hundred percent fine with that. The the they have a nice through line of this story in the background about the book, which is not even really touched on at all in this fifth episode, but I didn't need to be. It's still mm-hmm. there. We're still working towards that goal. Um, but we can spend time really delving in and spending time specifically with one character in a way that I didn't know I needed. But now that we've had it, it's, yeah, the, the, the attention to storytelling is is kind of phenomenal. It's, it's really, really, really well done. And that's just on that side. Once again, like, casting, immaculate, choice of sim, you know, sim, uh, sim design and score, Fucking incredible! Um, he just—it's just operating at a completely different level than anything else on TV just now. Just like on a completely different yeah. hemisphere. It, it really is kind of like, well, I watch Lovecraft Country and then other stuff. It, it really is. That's yeah. what, like Lovecraft Country is the only TV show I'm watching that is like a current TV show, like one that's shown just now. And it, I'd like—I am not pissed off. Like all the other shows, I'm like, well, you've been it for a while. I'm going to binge watch them. I'm not pissed off. I have to wait week on week for this. I want to savor each episode um, as much as possible. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm loving it. Absolutely. I am love crafting it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I, I really do think this is at least this first season has all the makings for like one of those, like true detective season one, like really oh, yeah. special. This is an incredible uh, achievement in television. Like, I know we're, we're being glowing about it, but I honestly, th- it's just the most fun I have watching a show. It's not even yeah. that it's that it, it is very, very good, but it's so satisfying and so fun and funny. And it's playing with complex social structures. It's playing with con a uh, like kind of social political themes and it's doing it with the backdrop of magic monsters the goonies like 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 all like a like swashbuckling adventure and you know sci-fi and it's, it's playing with all these concepts as delivery mechanisms and tools to to kind of almost recontextualize um at its core a, a very very horrible time in American history yeah um, and I think the, like the, the, once again the fucking balls on Lovecraft Country yeah. to be doing that and for it to work if anything it feels like like if you started to do something like this it would cheapen the message of racism 
um, through a historical context, and it isn't. It is done so well. It is done so 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 well, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm in awe of it. Yeah, I'm in absolute awe of it. Yeah, and and here's the thing I heard, Duncan, just to tease us both a little bit. Um, when I, you know, somebody on on one of the the Facebook pages had said something about how uh this had turned into a journey small at love fest which less of this episode just because she she wasn't the focus of the episodes for the most part um Mm -hmm. but uh they said you know i i felt that way too and then jamie chung comes along in episode six yeah and and i have heard that she throws down Uh, so another thing another thing that the show needs to be applauded for great strong female characters Oh, I mean, you like, know, as we've talked about in this episode, Atticus yeah. is such a backseat character. And I am fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a great character, but I am, but like, just keep giving me. And that's the other thing. It's handling, obviously, the, uh, like, the, you know, the, not, not only racial struggles as well, but the position of women in society yeah. in the time period. It's, yeah, just different level, man. Different yeah. level. And, Absolutely and fucking love it. A, a final shout out to, uh, not final, uh, final for this episode, uh, to Misha Green, who is the showrunner. Uh, it is very clear that whatever the book was, she has made the show her own, mm. and and it is brilliant. She whatever she does in the future, like I hope that she's like got one of those Jordan Beale, uh, Peele careers where she does like this for a year or two, and then goes on and just makes some fucking amazing movie. And yeah. like she like, I guarantee you right now, Misha Green is in. Uh, is not starving for attention from oh, other projects. No, no definitely not. Uh, definitely not. If HBO was smart, they'd keep, uh, they'd keep a hold of her. Right. Just like, what do you want to do? You tell yeah. us, you tell us we've what got, you want to yeah, do. We, we've got the checkbook here. That checkbook, you know, stretches quite high. What, what would you, you know, passion project. What do yeah. you want to do? Yeah. I mean, yeah, why not? And if, if she wants to do like a feature film, just be like, great, we'll do it on HBO max. How about that? Yeah. Well, they did, well, we'll they make did it with them. They did it with uh, Nick Pizzolatto and True Detective. Yeah. Well, that right. You want to do another season? That's amazing. What do you want it to? You want to? You want to direct some episodes? Fine. They yeah. should be doing the same here. They should be doing like one hundred percent the same here. Um, yeah. Ah, what a show, man. What yeah. Show. Anyway, all right. So before uh, we bounce out of here, Duncan, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know they ought to be paying us. They really should for yeah. for the amount of times we're just like, why are you not watching this show? Um, <laughs> but uh, before uh, we we put our heads together again in a couple of weeks and talk about the next two episodes, uh, which I will watch both of tonight. Um, mm. Tell me, Duncan, what is something you are looking forward to uh, seeing between now and then? Um, I'll definitely finish off the House and Audio Tell uh, TV show. Um, maybe we'll have watched that second season maybe I actually wait till later on in October to, to, to get my head down on that one um, I will have kicked off my 31 of October so there's a couple of heavy hitting titles on the front end that I'm really looking forward to checking out one of those being I believe The Relics in the first week ooh that's a great movie Doug. yeah so I'm sure that's in the first week um, out with that uh, the world is my host my summer series is finished it's been put to bed I've recorded the last episodes um, of that so I now really have the world is my oyster to do whatever I want um, so yeah I, I don't know I'm feeling surprisingly free I'll most likely be 
horror movies for October, but more TV shows because uh, I am off for a week now uh, and I have a, a long, long list of uh, TV stuff to watch. So, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say about Haunting of Hill House once it's kind of wait, man. I'm like two episodes in and I'm hooked. So, it, yeah, it's very, it'll do that to you. It, it, it's in, 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 weirdly like Lovecraft country it's good about like okay we're gonna focus on this character for an entire episode mm-hmm. but there's enough stuff going on that it keeps it keeps your attention on the other things happening in the story but it really lets you like get in on a character and that is another show where it's like I like all these characters there's not there's not somebody I there's not a story I don't want to go to Mm-hmm. and uh, uh it is it is quality uh i'm doing the same thing the 31 of october i'm getting serious about it this year in a way that i, I probably haven't before um and <laughs> working from home will do that though <laughs> yeah right I, I gotta invent something for me to care about um <laughs> trudge through another fucking day uh so what i i've decided to care about in this case duncan um is this 31 days of october and so i yeah i've got a lot of stuff on the list i'm actually uh i'm, I'm oculus is on the list oh nice and it, hitting all the sweet spots for flanagan it has it's been just enough time there is a surprising amount of flanagan on that list i realized after i put it together because i do a little bit of a theme thing where like you know, hey, there's a run of like haunted house movies. There's a run of vampire movies, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But as a result, there are two, two to three Mike Flanagan appearances on this list. Nice. And and it's one of those things that like I didn't plan it that way, but it's just Mike Flanagan tends to do movies that I really like. <laughs> yeah. I you know <laughs> surprise surprise right just keeps doing good stuff <laughs> yeah like it turns out the guy's just a really like creative and talented director that I enjoy and uh, and I haven't seen Oculus in just enough time that I can't wait to feel terrible for a little while and mm. dig into the you know domestic nightmare of that film I might watch that I might watch that tonight actually it's Dude, I've not watched that in a couple of years. Yeah, the 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 Katie Sackoff reveal, yeah, is just one of those things in movies that I'm like, oh no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> also, the the chewing the light bulb is another one of those. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, that's that. Uh, uh-huh. um, <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, uh, my new character. Had it enough horror fan. <laughs> Available only here at Duncan and Bill Cups Correct. Um, <laughs> how about how about this brutal rape scene from uh um the last house on the left? Um Look at this! Uh, look, uh, in Evil Dead Two, j- the eyeball just popped right out of out of his skull, went right into her mouth. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna be doing that all day. I'm gonna sound like a crazy person. How you doing today? <laughs> anyway, that's what we're gonna be watching, folks. Thank you very much, uh, Duncan. Where can people find more out of you? 
Uh, you can check me out in the podcast under the stairs. All the links can be found at tputzcast.com. But if you search on any of the podcatchers, podcast under the stairs, I will appear there. Excellent. And you can find all this and more at legionpodcasts.com. So uh, join us again in two weeks for more of Lovecraft Country. Uh, Between now and then, uh, there is one thing left to say, and that is say goodnight, Duncan. Good night, Duncan. Boy, just when you think there's nothing dumb left in the tank. Oh, the, yeah, we have a. We, uh, I always like to think that we have an extra level that we can reach for. <laughs> like a stupid nitrous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I like to think, like in Mad Max Fury Road, that silver spray is the dumb stuff we can bring in a show. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just, just like in the mouth, and then on you go.